now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Hello, everyone. Hello, beautiful human. It's the Zach Sang Show. Come on in. Come on in. Happy Monday to you and to those you love. No matter how your money's been going, we're going to make sure you end it the right way. Because that's what we do, right? Right. Yes. Also, uh, breaking news, Cameron. Mm, what? The icon Michael Bolton is going to be in the studio tonight. Oh my God! He's going to be Michael Bolton. We're going to find out, like what, like what happens when a man loves a woman. Oh yeah. What happens, Dan? You know. Um, you 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 have a girlfriend. You are a man who is loving a woman. Cameron would know the best. He loved a woman so much he got married to her. Well, yeah, I got married to her. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Can you believe that? Can you believe I got married to her? <laughs> What's that like? Uh, it's great. You like it? Yeah, hell yeah. Sick. Way better than dating. What's oh my the God. Be- what's the best part about being married? Um being able to like shit talk the world together. Oh, that's cool. As opposed to by yourself. Mm. Um, Sounds very hateful. I'm not I'm not that hateful. No, but I love to go and shit talk to myself out that's loud. That's really nice. <laughs> you know but I mean? like there's a different person there with you doing it a lot. So you're yeah. like the same team. You feel less crazy. Yeah, it's you against the world. That's great. That's special. Me against my four walls. That's well, there you go. Damn. You know what song I really should start with is Miley Cyrus's cover of Four Walls. I feel like that just makes sense right now. What's the cover of? Four Walls. Well, I know that, but like who sings Four Walls? You know, I really, really can't Ray? tell you. <laughs> I believe, uh-huh. to my generation let's, at least, this is going to be one of those covers that is more famous than the original. All right, let's guess who sang it. I, I, yeah. I, I, well, Ra- the Rascal funny thing Flats. is there's no way of knowing because there's nothing that we can use to look things. Oh, wait, no. It's the internet. Here we go. Forgot Let's find it. it. I'm going to say Sting and the Police. Nah. Do you know? Do, we, do you have the answer? What's your guess, Zach? I, I said like Rascal Flats. Cheyenne Kimball? Oh. oh. That was my next guess. Of course. Cheyenne. What's your, what's your other favorite Cheyenne Kimball song? I mean, absolutely all of them. I can't decide. You know, it's so hard to decide. Just one. What do you but, think, Dan? You know. Well. Tomorrow Never Came. Tomorrow Never Came? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that's <laughs> dark good. and deep. It's a good, it's a good one. Zach Sang Show is officially live <laughs> right here on AMP. We're here to make sure you end your day right. I also want to make sure that I end my day right, so it's okay. a little selfish. Uh, we have a lot to get to, like like too much to get to almost. I also told you that Michael Bolton's going to be here. Yes. Yeah. That's so exciting. Phone lines open, chat room too. Looking forward to talking to you. Give us a call, please. Oh, you want to listen to Zach live? Cool. Monday through Friday on AMP. Now you know. Uh, Mondays are rough for everybody, but they're particularly rough for teachers. Mm. I feel like every day is rough for a teacher. It's like, you know, being a teacher is a lot. It's just a lot to carry. And then to be there for, uh, in some cases, hundreds of kids every day. Oh, it's dude. It's a rough job. My stepmom was a teacher. I I, I watched it firsthand. That sounds like my personal hell. Uh, Cameron, you hate children. It's just, I did it for like a summer camp type thing. Oh, I was teaching kids how to do like little videos with their Legos. It's the worst time of my life. <laughs> Imagine that. Like if that's 10 hours a day, day. I know. Oh my Monday God. Monday through Friday. And yeah, you oh get the summer. But by the way, we pay teachers dirt. So they have to work in the summer. So they're not even getting a real vacation. 
this week is teacher appreciation week. So mm-hmm. they go so deeply underappreciated all the time and they're always stepping up. And every teacher I know has to go above and beyond to take care of their kids. Like the bare minimum in terms of school supplies is not usually available, which is mm-hmm. insane and ridiculous to talk about because we're spending so much money as a government and as a country in so many different areas. Why does a teacher need to come out of pocket to pay for their own supplies, their own materials, things that their students use, things that they use to bring to life knowledge, knowledge that is so valuable for the future of our country and our world. They're paying for that out of their own freaking pocket. And that's crazy. These people are deeply underappreciated. So this week is teacher appreciation week. Every week, 52 weeks a year should be appreciation week for teachers. But, uh, you know, this week is actually it. So if you have a teacher in your life, say thanks. Thinking back, like, to when you were younger, you know, high school, college, whenever, is there a teacher that stands out to you, one in particular? Well, I I had two. One was in third grade, and I really couldn't read. When I was 10, I Mm -hmm. I struggled reading. And this teacher took note of it and tried a lot of unconventional methods to try to get me to read, like putting different color, uh, like, film over the pages Mm -hmm. and just a bunch of different stuff. I mean, she was really incredible, and she took a real just uh, caring interest in what I had going on. That's cool. And why I just uh, couldn't keep up with everybody else. And then in high school, I had a TV teacher who honestly, just being real, like kind of was a piece of shit, but I learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had one of those too. I had a TV teacher in high school that was later uh, arrested for drug possession and a bunch of other things. Yeah, that makes sense. This guy, I, I would shoot all of the football games for all four years of high school either like from the the press box or literally on the field. Like there were games where I got tackled on the sideline and I'm holding a camera (laughs) or holding the wires. There's video of it. It's amazing. I've been trying to get my hands on it for years. Can't find it. I'll work on it. I'd love to watch that. But this guy, I'll call him JR. I don't want to reveal his name, but I mean, he would show up. You you would smell the alcohol just seeping Mm. out of him. Like, dude, like what's going on? This guy would deal with kids all day. Yeah. And then he comes back and he deals with more kids doing a production. Of course. And like when you, and he was like like a, a cameraman for like NBC and CNBC. Like when you're that guy, like I don't think you ever really picture being a teacher, you know? Yeah. He probably had visions of grandeur. Well, guys, my eighth grade teacher, she made a rule called the Dan Zolot rule. You know what that was? Oh. What? No farting in class. <laughs> this is in eighth grade? <laughs> yeah. You were farting like that? So what's, you just like, problem? you just let him rip in the, in the classroom, like I in mean, the middle of a lesson or what? Listen. There's nothing funnier than letting out a little fart in a silent room, I mean, especially with your eighth grade and <laughs> your little wrong. punk friends are there. It's the funniest thing ever. Even like it's funny maybe once, but like farting over and over again numerous times a day, and everybody knows it's coming from you. Like it's it, it gets to a point where it's like almost a disorder. <laughs> the Dan Zolot rule. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? How much were you farting? It wasn't, you like, it wasn't like I was in there every day ripping ripping ass. No, like, yeah, I mean you're enough to no. get a rule or a law change. Even if it's once a month, like you just never know when it's coming, and when it happens, it's like silent. You're taking a test and you're in eighth grade and you hear a little <laughs> it's fucking hilarious jesus oh i love it dan did you get the tension a lot oh yeah yep i had a good time in high was school was it for silly school. crap or like yeah, i never did anything bad yeah. for farting no for, yeah i never got in trouble for that i just I got mean, a roommate after it you <laughs> did one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen though what? for school picture day dan decided oh, yeah. to draw a teardrop on his face yeah you know like the rappers had teardrops oh. when like they either kill someone or know yeah. somebody that died well, I figured I'm a white guy from the suburbs of Philadelphia. I need that too. And how'd that go for you? It went really well. It's in my school picture. I got teardrop, two teardrops on my face. 
Yeah. But so, now at that same high school, they have the Dan Zolot rule for photographs. You can like, no longer I don't do have that. Pocket. I have big diamonds, diamond earrings in my face. I got a teardrop. Fake my eye. diamond <laughs> earrings, though. Yeah, I got them from Claire's. Sick. <laughs> from Claire's. Dan would wear like oversized everything. He was just like one of those douchers. Oh, no, I had phases. I, w- I wore really tight clothes as a skater kid in like middle school and early high school. Then I got into real baggy clothes and I would match the, uh, the basketball jersey with a fitted hat. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then I went back into slim clothes. Look at you. And here we are. You should start wearing those jerseys again. Should I? Yeah, why not? I'll stand up buying some jerseys the other day. I'm like so okay with you never, never wearing any of that. By the way, I do think we should all abide by the Dan Zolot Zolot rule in the studio. We do. In terms of farting. I don't. I say we can complain about anybody passing gas in this room. Hang on. Let's pause there for a minute. You don't follow that rule? No, no, no. I do follow the rule. Has anybody complained? Like, is anybody saying like, yo, someone's smelling up the room? No, I don't think so. Do we have any... Okay, yeah, no gas complaints have, in here. Great. Have you guys Great. ever gotten kicked out of class in middle school or high school? Uh, yeah. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Oh, uh, middle school, yeah, not high school. I was very scared in high school. It happened three three or four times to me, but it was never it was never anything I did. What'd you do? There's no like, what, there what was, did they accuse no, you of? You uh, there was one time where a friend was making me laugh in sex ed class, uh-huh. and so the <laughs> teacher kicked me out. There was another time we were taking in eighth grade, we had this substitute teacher who was doing a math test and I dropped a pencil on the ground. I went to go pick up the pencil and he thought I was cheating. Yeah. And I was like, I dropped my pencil on the freaking ground mm. and he kicked me out. Yeah. Like, uh, well, what are the chances you oh, just happen to drop your pencil on and the there ground? Was one other time I had really great teachers growing up, but there was this one that nobody liked and she was just mean as hell. And we put a tack on her chair. What? Yeah. That's, that's bodily but, harm. And I, I got kicked out for that. That's borderline crime. My mom no. was listening. She said, oh my God, this topic is making me cringe. Bad flashbacks. Oh. Yeah, dude, I've heard directly from Miss Olot, Dan's mom, that you were an incredibly bad student. I was like, a bad boy. She was showing up to pick you up from the principal's office numerous times a week. Quite often she was there. That's you, crazy. <laughs> do you have like uh, report cards or anything still? Yeah, so there, there's like a folder in my house of like all the write-ups that I got. My brother oh, loves them. I'd love Love to They're see so that. Funny. We should read through them. I'm telling you, Dan is downplaying all of this. Like the we <laughs> forget. I'm not tip of the proud iceberg. of what I did, but like looking back on, it, it's really funny. He has a bag of rice of stories, and he's given us two grains. Yeah, what else? What else? <laughs> it's just Give like a little taste. Some of them are like you had to be there. Oh, you know what I mean. Those are the best ones. I genuinely feel like your mom should call in and tell him. I'd love. I mean, that. like some people get kicked out of class. I got completely removed from class for good. You know what I mean? Dude. Uh, like expelled? <laughs> Not fully expelled. It was just like, he needs to find a new person. Like what were somebody you else- doing? I was just going. Like, were you making jokes and <laughs> stuff? Mean, or were you like being By the way, does any of this surprise you? I, was like, I mean, not really. There's, but- right? There's no way you're well, surprised. I wasn't like bad. It was uh, just like not good. Okay. So what is, what, okay, what, what is not good? The opposite so like not you, good is bad. You weren't harmful. Yeah. But you were disruptive. Yeah, I was dis- that's a good word. I was disruptive. Okay. I wasn't like f- causing fights or being mean. Like no uh, no it wasn't like people didn't like me. There was just some teachers that didn't like me. I can see it now in the report card. Dan's a lot. Well intended, <laughs> slightly disruptive, farts way too much. Like he loved going to school because it was an opportunity for you to be a piece of shit. Okay, see no what you just said there was worse than anything I ever did. That's crazy. Like call me a piece I never did that. Would you, okay. What you never called somebody a POS? No. <laughs> He's thinking back now. No, I feel like also you're the like I I know you've done terrible things. I've not. They weren't terrible. Like, I feel like you're really downplaying it, and and you're like you 
you don't know. I feel like your meter of terrible to not terrible is very off. We'll have to check the receipts. That's it. Go to his mom. Shoot. I don't know. Grab that folder. My mom actually just texted me one more time. She said, I'm not laughing and I was there. <laughs> so <laughs> we are. I'm not. I'm your poor mom. Yeah, your mom's a saint. Um, a saint. Listen, she just got to know the school people very well. Yeah, she made some friends. Yeah. Because she was yeah, there. You're welcome, constantly. mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that for you. Oh, jeez. Anyway, so teachers, love you. <laughs> Thank you, teachers, for being you. Thank you for taking the time and, and dedicating yourself to molding the minds of the next generation. It means everything because you had to deal with turds like Daniel. I mean, honestly. No, farts like Daniel. You're right. You're right. So, I don't Get want to insult right. you. Get that right. teacher actually really likes me. She yeah. was my um, <laughs> math tutor all throughout high school, and she still texts me like, happy birthday and stuff to this day. Wow. Math what? Tutor. Get it? Oh, oh. my God. Look at you. Full circle. That one ripped. Seriously, if you, <laughs> if you have a teacher in your life, just say thank you. Um, and if you are a teacher, thank you. We appreciate you. We promise the show is better than Zach's driving, but that's not saying much. Zach Sang Show. Michael Bolton is going to be in the studio very soon. Wow. How exciting. I'm very excited. Uh, here's what I got to say. I just got to get this off my chest. It is crazy. The phrase, when it rains, it pours, is very accurate. Mm. The sad thing is it, like, doesn't discriminate. So it doesn't, like, the, the, it, it could be the best, best, best pouring down rain you've ever received. Or it could be absolutely a hurricane that is just treacherous and the worst yeah. and whatever. It is, like, I'm just going to be very open and honest. Like, since my best friend passed a few, I, I don't know, Feb, February 26th, she passed away. Mm -hmm. So, a few months ago now. Damn. It's been a wild journey. One with grief and one, you know, thinking thoughts and connecting with her in my own way and mm -hmm. seeing her be present and all these things post her passing on. But on top of that, weirdly just gonna be very honest like there's been an insane amount of cancer mm. that has affected my family both my mom and my stepmom now have it jesus and one of my best like one of my one of my best friends best friends yeah. is very young and has it and it's like all of this within the span of a few weeks and i'm like holy shit holy shit when it rains it pours yeah that's terrible all different types of cancer, all different people close to me and close to a human being who is one of the most important human beings in my life. It's a lot. It's And it's like, this is something that so many people face. And for my stepmom, it's the second time that she's facing this. And for my mom, this is a different type of cancer. She's already mm -hmm. faced another. And for one of my best friends, best friends, this is the first time they're facing it at all. And they're young, dude. They're under 30. That's the thing. It does not discriminate. At all. At all. Friend of mine, actually, a couple months ago, same thing. He's 27. Dude. And found out. Thankfully, found out early. But it, it's insane. It is present. It is out there. And to be aware of it literally can save your life. But also at the same time, like, this has been going on. We've been facing this as a world for so long. Yeah. The amount of lives it takes. You know, one of the most powerful moments in my life was going to St. Jude, and we've done a bunch of work with them mm -hmm. over the years. St. Jude is a, the cancer research hospital that's based in Memphis, Tennessee. It was started, actually, by a, a television radio guy. Um, Danny, I'm blanking on his last name, but mm -hmm. 
Janie Thomas, incredible human being who built this hospital. And so many advancements have been made and so many innovations, yet it still plagues multiple generations. And so much of it's so experimental, too. Oh, still, yeah. Still at that experimental stage. It's just, why are we still facing this as a world? And I think conspiracy theorists out there would tell you that there is a cure for cancer, man, but it's the big pharmaceutical companies that are trying to keep us sick. Mm. That's God's truth. A lot of people say that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but like, it, it, you know, Joe Biden, who's just announced like last week or the week before that he's running for reelection. Mm -hmm. He ran, one of the things he ran on was getting rid of cancer. Give that a Google. That is 100% verified. He ran on eliminating cancer as one of his his statements. Bold promise. It is a very bold <laughs> That's promise. Like, well, you know, it is a promise. I'm solving that world hunger in the next two years. Well, I know? mean, it's a promise made by him because it's affected his life so deeply of and course. directly. And it's a promise that, I, I mean, I'd rather somebody at least make an attempt as opposed to just not talk about it. Well, yeah, and, I, and, I think realistic it, steps is, I think, what most issues need. But sometimes you need to set big bright, large goals mm -hmm. to really spark proper action in the right direction. So I say all that to say, raining, when it rains, it does pour. And it is pretty wild. And my mind was off of it because I was just getting a text from my sister and mm -hmm. I just had to say something. But if you or somebody you know is going through cancer or any sort of illness, I, my heart is going out to you and I'm sending you the most love and strength because it is, you know, the truth is with any illness, it's not, it is the worst for the person bearing that and carrying that and dealing with it, and managing it. But it does affect those around them. Oh, yeah, it's um, a heavy weight. Yes, and, and some people shy away from carrying that weight. If someone you know or somebody you love is going through something, going through an illness, it's really hard and heavy to be there, but, like, being there is all you got to do. You know? Yeah. It goes a long, long, long way. Um, and I know it's scary and it's intense, and life and death is intense. Life and death is scary. It is, a, it is a scary fucking thing, but it's also a fragile thing. And when you don't have time or you don't know how much time you have, being present goes the furthest. And I say this to you, but I also say it to myself at the same time. Sure. So thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. You think, <laughs> I'm sure Michael Bolton will give me some nice drops of wisdom when he's here. I, I, I mean, he, I'm sure he's full of them. Yeah, he's been through life, man. Yeah. He's been through fucking life. Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton, baby. And also, <laughs> thanks for hearing me out. I really do appreciate it. Uh, phone lines are open. Chat room two would really love to talk to you, right? Let's do it. Call us. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Cameron went to go see Guardians over the weekend, the I new did, one. Yeah. I want a deep review from you. Okay. I also, what? Dan, I, you look shocked. There's another one? Yeah, there is another <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, there is. I feel like one of those just came out. Well, in 2017, yeah. Did a, was there a new ride? I mean, there's like, I mean, there's it's, always there's like always something things. Marvel coming out. So, yeah. I think you just get confused. You, you may not know this, but Dan's only seen three movies in his whole life. And Guardians of Oh, uh, what have I seen? You've seen Lion King. You Shrek. only fell asleep through it. Dude, where's my car? Shrek. Elf. I've seen Elf. I think I've seen The Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, um, if you're going to see, I mean, like, that's, that's one to see. Dude, where's my car is definitely one of the best movies of all time. That's a good, that, that's with Ashton Kutcher, right? Oh, yeah. One of his finest yeah. earliest works. Honestly, I can't even. I couldn't even name another movie I've seen. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> God, I just find movies. You watched uh, something the other week. I forget what it was. Uh, movies are so uninteresting to me. Yeah, you lose interest very quickly. 
just like it's not real. Breaking news. Yeah, but that's the I mean, point. that's, yeah, I don't think anybody's going in thinking that <laughs> space, like all this alien stuff is real, but. No, nah, but you go in looking to get lost. Right. It's a distraction from everyday life. Amen, man. There's really another Guardians of the Galaxy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dan. Mm -hmm. Open up your eyes, brother. You want to go see it? I'll see it again with you. Not a chance. Dude, it's Mickey's world and we're just <laughs> living in it. I'd rather stare at a brick wall. It's the Zach Sang Show. I, you know, I just got a random invite to see Taylor Swift. Where? What? Where? I don't know. I guess like she's... What do you mean you don't know? No, like her concert. So yeah, is this, like, where is she? Which concert? Well, obviously her concert. Taylor Swift's concert in Los Angeles for 8-3 and 8-9. You got both? Right in the field with an incredible view. Who is this? How do we join in on this? I, I, I don't even know this guy. Can I get 10 tickets? Can I have your phone? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at him. Yeah, let me see. I don't know what Torch Bit is. I know who that is. Do you? He and I go way back. Yeah, yeah. You be best friends now? Looking to get in there? Isn't it crazy that she's dating Matthew Healy? Allegedly. Yeah. Didn't they? There was photos that came out. I thought they were going to be like AI generated deep fakes, but they're not. They're real. Yeah, they're Didn't grainy, pixelated, and, and and Taylor does not necessarily look like Taylor. Is you know is, what I've also really loved to appreciate or learn to appreciate are the videos of Taylor Swift diving into the stage, but the from same. but from above, so you yeah. can just see like you know, she ain't diving into anything. Yeah, oh, I mean belly flopping. Oh, yeah, straight belly flop into like a mattress or something. You remember when that tour first started? People were like, wow, the breath control is crazy. She's swimming all the way down. I yeah. Dan, I was one of those people. I thought Taylor Swift was literally swimming from one side of a football field oh, to another. Okay, fun fact, she can't swim at all. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So dumb. She has Science. no idea how to swim. So are these alleged dating rumors or are they confirmed? Also, didn't they date before no, a little bit? I feel like about? Jack Antonoff Daily. confirmed oh. it. Jack right. Antonoff is a longtime collaborator of Taylor Swift, mm -hmm. a friend of Matthew Healy, also a collaborator, I believe. And I, I think he may have been the one who actually officially introduced them. Is that what you're seeing, Carlos Camera? Yeah. Yes. I think it's a hot couple. That's the rumor. Yeah, I love it. And I love that Matthew Healy, who was known for kissing fans at his shows, stopped kissing fans when he started dating Taylor Swift. Respect. Are there cheating rumors? Uh, what? Like, was this happening Dan? while she was in a relationship? Uh, uh, I called you Dan Cam. With what's his face? Yeah. What's that guy? Yeah, what was her ex? Joe Alwyn. Taylor and Joe Alwyn were together for like five, six years. A long time. I, Until it, she cheated on him? If I was a betting man, I would have bet that those two were going to get married. I don't think that she cheated. I, I think maybe it fizzled. I think that one was over a lot longer than people thought. Yes, Daniel. Okay, I agree. So you're saying basically it ended. It's been a while. They announced it later. Yeah, and then now she has a new relationship. So I don't think there was any crossover between Joe Alwyn and Matt Healy. Because right now, it kind of seems like one ended, the other one started. Well, no, I think we just found out about Joe Alwyn when she wanted us to find out about Joe Alwyn. I see. Do you think Matty Healy is only dating Tyra Swift to get good seats to her concerts? Yeah, that's it. Dude. Probably. How do you know? Probably the best. He went to uh, all three nights in Nashville. Like, that's a yeah. hard ticket to get. Huge ticket to get. Oh, you think Matt Healy's going to be on the new album? Ooh, a 1975 collaboration, Carlos. Yeah. Wait, you think Maddie Healy, you think Taylor is going to be on the new 1975 album or is Maddie Healy going to be on the new Taylor album? You think? Oh. Carlos Camera. Carlos Camera is somebody who is always like, oh, the reason they're in love is for work. Carlos you always believe. And he's right. He always gets it right. Whenever he sees like these celebrity couples and he like tells them what's going on, like it ends up being right. He genuinely believes that love is not real. I actually thought about this over the weekend. I was in a gas station and saw like a lottery ticket thing. Uh. And I thought to myself like, I bet Carlos could pick winning numbers for me. <laughs> oh, you should, Cam, you rub know? him. Like I feel a like Buddha. You know, he's like tapped in. 
You know what I mean? He's he, connected on a higher level. That's was, what I'm saying. He was good in Vegas, and I had no idea what he was he doing was there at the truth. 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 tables. Yeah, he brought he brought wealth to me. I'll and then I it lost you, Carlos. 50-50 on the next Powerball? He'll okay. even fund the ticket for you. Yeah. He just well, needs your luck and energy. Did you see uh, Sp- Matty Healy was also on stage with Phoebe Bridgers in mm-hmm. the opening? Like, sick. He was just like on stage playing the guitar. Yeah. It was like he was part of the band. I mean, why was that? Was her guitar sick? Like, what is that? Just because he could. Like, what's like? How cool is that? Anyway, we love Taylor Swift and Matty Healy. Mm. We ship it, right? I yes. Sure I love the 1975. 1975 is great. I, I will admit I'm a little late to the Taylor Swift party. She's pretty good. Like I not like not like I ever like I just never like listened to it that much. But now you know what I'm I'm super into it. Now that you mention that, I kind of think she has a future. Oh, <laughs> she's gonna be a bright I think star. She might have a career ahead of her. Ooh, big yeah. things ahead for you, Taylor. I think she might have what it takes. Cam, I think big success in it is in her future. You know what? She could be the next American Idol. <laughs> Great wealth is en route to her, right? Dan, thank you. Welcome to the Taylor Swift uh, bandwagon. I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm. I think I'm. A, I think I'm a newfound Swifty. That song, Style. I still can't believe I like. I didn't know what it was. That song is awesome. I listened to that all weekend. Better on, late than never. On repeat. You know what I was thinking about too? Beyonce. She might be kind of good someday. She you has star know. potential. Yeah. When I think star, I think Beyonce. I agree. She's onto something. Day, day, okay. Uh, uh, I want to hear about Guardians of the Galaxy, the new one. Yes. I'll tell you all about it coming up. In next. exactly three minutes and 21 seconds. But now for you, Dan. <laughs> what? What? I want to hear Dan's recap before I talk about uh, Guardians. Dan's going to recap a movie he's never seen. Yes. And then Cameron's going to give us an actual recap <laughs> of a movie that I may want to see. I don't know. Okay. Uh, in a few. Oh, would you look at that? Oh, would you look at that? Zach is late to his own show. Who's surprised? Zach Sang Show. Oh, there he is. Nice of you to join us, Zach. Guardians of the Galaxy hit theaters this weekend. Mm-hmm. Another movie hit theaters that I saw. Cam said uh, you saw Guardians. Yeah. I saw. You ready? Ready. Evil Dead Rising. What'd you think? Uh, kind of shit. Is that based off a video game, I assume? I don't know. But it's you know it's weird. It was kind of good because I liked the kids in it, and they were like next generation superstars giving yeah. it. And it was like kind of scary, a few jump scares. But then it's really kind of ridiculous. It may actually be the one type of horror movie that I can deal with. I was I was gonna say like that does not strike like a that doesn't strike me as a movie you would normally want to see. No, Cam. You know, but, uh, you know, or any movie for that matter. I spent a lot of time with Keely Jacob, and he's a movie person. Yeah. So we go see movies. He likes the horror movies? Loves them. Loves them. Evil Dead Rise, is that like, uh, we're talking demonic possession? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, see, I I can't do that. There's like an earthquake. Kid finds a book. No. This book is like sucking blood out of people, and like Mm -hmm. then the, the book comes to life. Nah, and I'm it's good. evil, and there's you know the whole thing. How's it end? Mom, I mean everyone, everyone's dead, and the, and the book lives. So spoiler, everyone dies. So the end of the movie is just everybody dying. Yeah, pretty much. But it's the the book is alive. Yeah, I, you know you gotta it's see a great, it. Sounds like a great flick. I was really distracted because a stranger was sitting next to me, which is the worst thing to happen to me in a movie. Was it? A I, I hate. Yeah, nah, that's the worst because you know. The answer is like, no, the crappier seats were available, but nobody wants to take that. They'd rather just sit right next to you. And But I also feel like this one guy was so weird. He was sitting there with a hat on and a giant backpack. He wasn't wearing a trench coat, was he? Kind of. And he was sitting between me and this chick. And then like maybe hmm. 20 minutes of the movie just gets up and leaves. Oh, that's kind of weird. Very weird. Maybe he was the director just watching like 
his own movie audience response. He laughed at a joke. I was like, he was giving weird energy to the point when we left, we looked under the seat, me and the girl who was next to me. We looked. Sounds like you made well, a I, I gave, I gave like a, I gave, I gave like a leg, a leg swipe to see if anything was under there. She gave it a, oh. a full on flash. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the way to make weird. movies more exciting. If they like had actors that like hit under your seat and like grabbed your legs. Dan, that's called dinner theater or Broadway yeah, or the stage. I've been to plenty of Broadway shows. Nobody grabbed my legs. There are shows you wish. that exist though. <laughs> there are? Yeah. Uh, There's like these, have you ever heard of like the, the, it's like in October every year, the horror camping type of thing. Oh, uh, no. So it's like a full on experience where you go and camp in a park and there's different levels that you can sign up for. The most extreme is they can take you in your sleep huh. and like tie you up and put you somewhere. And then a couple hours later, obviously when it's all over, you get to go home, but it's part of like the thrill of yeah, what like it feels that. like to be kidnapped. And, but I guess the whole time you have the ability to think like, right. oh, it's not real. So it's fine. I tie you up. But also manifestation. Like, why would you want to do that? Like, I feel like doing that is going to bring that into your life in a real way. And then when it actually is happening no to you, way. you're going to be like, oh, is this horror camp all over again? And they're like, nah, you always drug money, bitch. And then Liam Neeson calls you on the yes. phone. He's like, listen, they're yes. going to take you. I did hmm. not that, but I did this thing called Sleep No More. Sleep No More. Which is like Shakespeare, Macbeth coming to life. And mm -hmm. they, they do the show in New York all around you. And there is nudity. Like I watched people naked with like horses heads and baby heads and the whole thing to do, do tribal dances. It was weird, Wait, but you can like go through this warehouse and like you can watch it numerous times and you experience the show, but you're experiencing it kind of like all scattered depending I, on how you navigate this warehouse. So it's like a, like a walk through haunted yeah, house and you're, for it. and you're wearing a white mask. It's in gossip girl. You're wearing a white mask. Yeah. You wear this white duck looking thing. Dude, I, this is like dark web stuff. I went with Ari one time. It's you're, art. You're going there in masks. You're no. naked. Everybody else is naked. It's very weird. It's art. Google sleep no more. I'm a, I think my computer is going to explode. IT is going to call right. me. Somebody's going to become, they're going to swatch you. To clarify, you were naked? No, I wasn't naked. No. The actors are naked. And then you, you at one point, like they're like, they're, they're like loving on each other and you can like get close and watch. They're like, there's no, there's no boundaries. <laughs> Was this in Amsterdam? Dude, What's it's going so on? weird. It's in a, literally in a warehouse in New York city. Wow. Sleep no more. Google it. If you're looking for a little bit of a different, uh, twist on the theater, try it out. Jeez. It's really something. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I went when I was like maybe 21, 20. Sounds like a good idea. It was an eye opening experience. Turned me into the man I am today. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm yes. sure it's had an impact on you, similar to Sleep No More has had on me. I mean, look, I was excited about it. I've, I love these movies. And it's years um, in the making, right, Cam? It's, yeah, I think the last one came out in 2017. It's James Gunn's last movie with Marvel before mm. he goes and runs DC. Dan? That's a huge deal. Would you? Can you explain the movie just real quick before I do? What do you think happens in it? You know, I've been thinking about this, about what it could be, and I have yeah. no idea because all I know it's spaceships and there's a little fox that's running around. Okay, so if you it's not had a to fox. guess, if it's you had a fox, guess, what is it? No, it's, well, no, no, hang on, let him, let him finish. If you had to guess what the movie was about, tell me. You have to whip um, up a guess. You can't say I don't know or. So I would assume that there's some sort of alien mm -hmm. attacking a world where Chris Pratt is. Okay. Okay. And Chris Pratt and the, 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 what is he? You go ahead. Whatever your the instinct fox, is. Chris the Pratt fox. and the, the fox uh -huh. have to def defend it. Okay. I mean, and, and 
they're guarding their galaxy. <laughs> they are guarding their galaxy. The I mean, guard. You're not wrong. I mean, you're not. The thing is, you're not crazy far off. I don't know how much different it could be. Like, what else could the movie be about? That's pretty much what's it, what it's about. But, Sorry, Sam. Uh, I'm kind of torn here. because, <laughs> on one hand, Jeez. I really, you're really, you're upsetting Zach. <laughs> on one hand, I really enjoyed the movie, okay. and there were there were several parts. During it, that I cried at. What? Shut up, Karen. Well, it's the I last cried. one, right? It is the last. What's well, the last of this? Yeah, of the Guardians movies. But I cried, and I know Dan would judge me for that. I wouldn't judge you yeah. as long as you tell me what happened. You're crying well, right now. I can see you getting teary. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm you not. are. No, I'm not. Yes, you <laughs> are. I'm, not. I'm trying to. I'm trying to carefully step through this, so I'm not spoiling the movie for other people. Yeah, but, you but I would excuse yourself. I, Samantha, um, by the way, who's shooting this, wants to see it. She's a real fan, and you're afraid to spoil because you have respect and morals. That's right. So here's why I'm torn. It was really good. I, it, it moved me in a lot of ways. However, I can't tell if that's because the movie was good and the script was good or because terrible things happened to animals in the movie. Oh, what? And that, like, they're all fake animals. The fox dies. I can't tell you, but there's really bad things that happen to the animals. And they're all, they're all like tiny little eyes crying. And I can't tell if that means it was a good movie or do I just feel manipulated because how else are you yeah, going to yeah. feel? I, anybody killing animals. You know what I mean? I feel like they made a bad movie and they're like, this movie sucks. What can we and do And they threw in a bunch of that like, stuff. Let's kill the animals. See, that's what I'm saying. I can't tell oh, if ooh. I enjoyed it in the, in the sense that I enjoy these movies or if I was just so emotionally affected by it because how could you not be? Was the killing of the animals vital to the telling of the story? Um, in the particular way that they presented it, yes. It adds a lot of like background to a character or two and, and why they're motivated to do what they do. So in that sense, sure. But I, I just felt kind of like afterwards, I felt kind of weird and kind of dirty, if mm. that makes sense. It's because you're crying over animated animals or? Well, not, well, it is sad. I would have said, I'd rather cry over an animated animal than a real person. I agree. So I can't, but I couldn't tell, you know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't tell why well, it's weird. Like, which way my needle pointed. I kept seeing clips on TikTok. My For You page was like giving me pieces from the premiere. And all the, like a couple of the actresses were like, you're going to cry. You're going to cry. You're going to cry. And the carpet interviewers were like, oh, you're going to cry because it's the last one. And she was being coy about it. And I saw yeah. this like clip like two or three times. Nah, it's because they're killing animals. That's dark. I mean, it is. There's some dark stuff in there. I, I assume not for children. What is this uh, thing rated? PG thirteen. Okay, appropriate. Where would you rank it in the list of other movies? I of? mean, that's where I'm kind of I'm debating. Like, I want to say really high. How many Guardians of the Galaxy movies have there been? This is the third one. This is the third one. Yeah. So where would you rank it? I think. I mean, the first one I think is the best. Still, I would I would rank this second. Mm -hmm. But huh. in terms of like all the Marvel movies in general, it's pretty high up there, I think. But again, I can't tell if that's because I was just sad because animals were in it being harmed, or if I really thought the story was that good. I gotta you know I mean? watch this. Was it an eerie mood amongst the entire theater when it was over, or is it just you? No, it was it was a packed theater. There were a lot of tears shed. Really? Yeah. You could, you could feel that. You could. Dan mm. should go. You should go. No. Come on. <laughs> no way. Go see it with me again. Can I, I ask one question? Yes. And if it's a spoiler, let me know. Okay. Did they defend their galaxy? They defended the galaxy. It's yeah. it's good. Yeah. Right. So Mr. Grimace spoiler in the chat. <laughs> what? They defended the galaxy. Oh. Uh, Mr. Grimace says, my grade on Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, is an AA-. 
He says the movie kicked me in the feels. Um, How's yeah. Chris Pratt? Was he good? Chris Pratt actually was really good. And you know what the crazy thing was? I got up to go to the bathroom, and as I was walking back, I heard one of the other movies playing in the theater. It was the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> and then I walked back into Guardians, and I was just thinking, God, Chris Pratt is so goddamn rich. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's crazy, crazy brother. Yeah. He, uh, that's insane. He has the two biggest movies in the box office right now at the same time. And here's the deal. You got to thank Amy Poehler. Like, honestly, who would Chris Pratt be without... That show, Parks and Rec. Yeah, but also you have, to think, you have to think whoever cast him and believed that he could be anything more than a guy on a sitcom. Uh, you know what I mean? But he presented it. Wasn't he an action star? Isn't he in like one of those, isn't he in like a series, like an action TV series? Now, yeah. many, many years Jurassic after. Jurassic World. Parks and Rec. Jurassic Park movie. Killing it. Oh my God. Vin Diesel's yeah. in this Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Yeah, he's yeah. Groot. Plays Groot. I'm Groot. Oh, wow. Takes him like five seconds to record a whole movie. is worth the dialogue probably. And he's still making seven figures. Rex, 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 Rex. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know who Sean Gunn is, but it looks like Sam Smith. It's James, James Gunn's brother. We oh. should really talk about the fact that the director and the creative behind this movie and a bunch of other Marvel movies yeah. is going to DC. He is. Like, this is going to be the lifeblood that DC has desperately needed. I mean, I thought the the Batman movie with, uh, yeah, Robert Pattinson was good, but, like, it needed. It's I, very I need, exciting. I need more. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah, really but talented guy. he also guy. makes movies with animals dying, so. Uh, if it was vital to the story, Cameron. I can't tell. What I'll are you going to do? I'll have to watch it again. I'll have to watch it again. Have you seen the actual cartoons for Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, the, mm -mm. the, the strips? Right, because no. it's based off of... Yeah, the comic, sorry. Oh, you mean, yeah, I've seen some of that stuff. Is this, does the story align? I don't think so. I think it's separate from that. This particular one, at least. Do you want, as a fan, for the stories to align with the comics? I don't care. You don't? No. Interesting. Damn. No, I don't care. Um, in the simplest of terms, can you guys explain the difference between Marvel and DC to me? Because to me, it's all the same thing. Uh, it's like the difference between NBC and ABC. Mm. They both do shows. They both do movies. They, in this case, they both do comic books. They're just different companies that own different characters. So is there a crossover? Uh, there has been in the past. There may be in the future. There's not a ton of it currently. DC is like Batman and Superman. Yeah, Batman, and Superman, Woman. Flash, Wonder Woman, Marvel's like uh, Iron Man, Captain America. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I think they should just come together and make one big universe. Mm. Maybe. They might. Look at you, Dan. They That's might down the road. Clearly an expert in the field. Well, they're going to run out of ideas soon enough. They can't keep making the same movie over and over, so you got to start mixing there's a, and matching. There's a ton of stuff to pull from. They'll yeah, be fine. Dude, they, more than fine. There's that, no way you That's why they buy the, the, the depth of library and creative that's attached to both those universes. But they're yeah. all the same thing. Not that I've seen them, but what's, how can they be so different? It's just a bunch of superheroes saving the world. Oh, dude, it is. It just depends. I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes there's they make the exact same movie. That does happen. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Cameron, worth seeing, yay or nay? Yeah, for sure worth seeing. Even though you probably will cry. Yeah, you'll bring the tissues. I'm going to go. And a puke bucket, just in case. Really? No, just in case. The puke bucket? Yeah. There's a couple things in there. In the arms no. of an angel. Yeah, I'm not going to play that, but I was going to play this one. Uh, famous. Come on. To a whole new generation, courtesy of Guardians of the Galaxy. The raccoon. He does a whole dance, and they all dance to this. You know who Zoe I was Saldana's of? in it. Yeah. I was Crazy. thinking of um, who's that kid? That little little sly fox. Was that a game we were younger? So Star Fox. Star Fox. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean that's pretty close. Star Fox. Not pretty close. A You're raccoon to Star Fox. Yeah, very similar. You, if you think about you it, you know Star Fox. Yes. That was 
You Star Fox ruled. Yeah. You wouldn't get it. No. <laughs> no fake calls. No fake characters. Just real, actual people losing their damn minds. Zach Sang Show. We're going to London next week. Ooh, baby. Oh. Yeah, this time next week, we're going to be talking to you live from London town. London town. Yo, crumpets. Hello. I'm queen ne- with the, or tea with the queen. Yeah. She's dead, brother. What? Zach. Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. Sorry Jeez, to break man. it to you. The queen is gone. Do you guys watch any of the coronation oh, stuff over the weekend? I'm going to tell you something. Living with a royalist during the coronation is really quite the experience. Yeah, um, moved out. A Kiwi Jacob is a very intense royalist. He loves the monarch. And to be fair, you know, he's from New Zealand, grew up in Australia, so he's a member of the Commonwealth. So he's grown up around it his whole life. Um, very different perspective. Of course. Because you're watching this guy, King Charles, with his little hands and this big old crown on his little head. And then you see this other girl. This other girl he was rooting. Well, another woman was raising his children, Camilla. I, I thought the woman standing next to him, I saw a photo, I thought that was Jill Biden. No, no, oh, no in that's, the, in, really? In yeah. the white thing wearing a crown? That's Camilla, Dan, queen you, consort. Well, now just queen, but. I guess, something like that. But the truth is Princess Diana was supposed to be queen. You know, uh, the story she, goes. Yeah. Do you know the story, Daniel? Well, if she was alive, would she have been queen over yes. him becoming king? Uh, no. Well, he would be king, but she would still be queen. Yeah. Don't they have been married? They would have been. They uh, were married. They, yeah. They had two kids together. I'm lost. The oh. guy that was currently just current coronated. Yeah. Jesus, Dan. The the now that, king. That, king he, Charles III. He was not married to. He was married he was to Princess married, Diana. Yes, but before, Princess Diana. But before Princess Di- Diana, he was seeing and hooking up with Camilla. With Camilla Parker Bowles. Yes. It's Camilla Parker Bowles. The queen, current queen the consort. Queen. Now the queen. Charles' wife. The, this, did you think Diana oh, was Dan. his sister? Is that what's going on? Jesus. I don't know where. I don't know what I thought about her. I just know there's that picture of her in the Eagles jacket, and she looks super cool. But... It's crazy that like Dan has a show, like a job on a show that's all culture. Someone's got to be asking questions that people want to know. I mean, I think it's, yeah, because nobody knows the story behind Princess well, Diana older and King Charles. Now, hang on, this older gentleman that was just put into the the the, the, the throne. Yes, that yeah. guy was married to Princess Diana. Yeah, is there a big age difference? Uh, I no. imagine so, right? No, I think they were actually close in age at the time. This is a long time ago. This is like forty years ago, thirty Jeez. years ago. News to me. Yeah, the nineties, like early nineties. Oh, I guess she would have been older now. That makes sense. Uh, I guess I'm just picturing her in my head as this like, this like 40 year old woman that they had a uh, age difference. There was um, a 12 or 13 year age difference. That's a pretty steep gap. He was 32. She was 19. Mm. So when they got together, that's actually really thick. Um, Okay. Uh, So here's the, the story in a nutshell. He was with Camilla and then like he ends up not being with Camilla and then the family kind of. Gets he starts seeing Diana and Diana ends up being the one the the monarch loves it, the people love it because mm-hmm. the monarch during this time was going through just as much of a monumental shift as it's going through today, yeah. right? Like the public back then were trying to distance themselves from the royal family, trying to distance themselves from the monarchy, and we were seeing more like like anti royal rhetoric than ever before. Yeah, and then Princess Diana comes along, or Diana comes along and ends up forming a relationship with Charles. The family then supports this relationship to a point where he's not happy. Like he doesn't believe Diana's for him, the family and everybody who works associated yeah. with the Royal family is forcing him into this relationship. They end up having two children together. 
They end up building a life, but all while they're also living separate lives. You got Charles still hooking up with Camilla, and then you got this other, uh, Diana, hooking up with some other guy. Yeah. Some, like, uh, really rich guy from the UAE or something. It was like a royal orgy back in the day. He was nuts. That's what they're going to call the documentary. And then they end up literally filing for divorce. And then the paparazzi around that, Dan, is so deep and so intense that it leads to the tragic death of Diana. Yes, I did know that. I know the the, the car chase or whatever mm-hmm. it was. I knew that. I just didn't really know how they were all entwined. So that's interesting. So they were married. She was supposed to be princess or the queen. Then they but, got a divorce, and he went back to Camilla. And Camilla's who I thought was Jill Biden. Yes. Yeah. She is now the queen consort or the queen. Fascinating. AKA Dr. Jill. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. So to be living with a royalist in the middle of uh, the whole coronation is interesting because, like, like Kiwi Jacob doesn't like Meghan Markle. Everybody in America loves Meghan Markle. Like, we love the fact that she threw a bunch of freaking gasoline on that fire and lit it. But, but, a royal, but a royalist opinion is that she should have waited and Harry should have waited because the queen was on her way to death. Right. So, like, do the royal family and her, her, her memory respect and park it until she passes on. Why? Because they're racist? I mean, I mean, it's more than just them being racist. There was a bunch of things that come out courtesy of There's, Harry and Meghan. If the man's that, in love, that, why can't the man just be with his lady? Agreed. Well, well, because I, you got to wait for the queen to die because she doesn't approve? There's a bunch of stuff that comes with all of that, right? Like, there, it's all well documented. I'm not fully in the loop deeply it's, I mean, it's on interesting. all the things that they've done to tarnish the royal family, but it's much deeper than them just being racist. I, so, used to I think, mean, that's incredibly deep, but it's broad. It's wide. All right, go ahead. Sorry. I used to, it's okay. I used to think that like this stuff was super boring yeah. and uninteresting. I get why people are into, like I get why Americans are into like digging into this culture. I do think on either end, like when you're talking about the Meghan Markle thing and the royal family, at the end of the day, I'm like, is it really that serious? You know what I mean? Like, did they should they have parked their relationship for this whole thing? Why I don't it? think so. Well, I yeah, think they could have parked the book, maybe, but I don't really believe that either. I believe that you choose to say something whenever you choose to say, and that it's up to you. And at the same time, if we were going to reverse the roles for a second, Harry and Meghan acting like, you know, being a part of the royal family is like something they don't want to do and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, you're still... You're still living on that money. You know, so. I mean, yeah, they have everything because of it. I mean, Megan right. less than him, but still, they're both By benefiting association. from it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just interesting. It is interesting. I, it's I, like I, a giant reality British show. reality show. Yeah. Wow. Hello. But I, I do think that the divide on Meghan Markle is as simple as they should have waited to spill all this tea until she passed, as opposed to Maybe spilling it all over her yeah. legacy. I get that. Um, and from yeah. that, like, it, it creates a very very intense opinion like royalists dislike Meghan markle through and through um it's pretty wild to see i will admit seeing clips of the coronation i kind of thought like Katy perry and all them were going to be performing at the coronation uh, no it was a concert not at a party after the fact yeah lame uh, so instead it was just a ceremony with the king holding like two sticks oh yeah and these like tiny like young choirs like yeah. just chanting shit in latin and it make sounds that. like such inappropriate chance. We need to get that party going, you know? Did, did Meghan Markle show up? Hold on, you want to see? No, Meghan Markle did not show up, Dan. Oh. I have no idea what's going on now. But no, you know who That's did show up? Was Prince Harry. And I do All believe right, Prince so. Harry showed up uh, For like after an flying hour and a half. coach. Yeah. yeah, he does fly coach. Wait, oh, you, well, so do I. 
Have you I seen? I just upgraded on our <laughs> flights. So, <laughs> did you? A little bit. He's like not the first class. He's royalty. Tam, did you see this one? This is my favorite. This is a tiny choir of boys. It sounds like. Listen. Doesn't that sound like I like vagina, Camilla? Oh, it kind of does. Oh, one more time. One more time. Ready? Here we go. Come on, that's I like vagina. I wish I could tell you I heard that, but I don't hear that. No way. Is this the new Yanny Laurel? Yeah. One more time. One more time. I definitely hear I heard the V word prior to the end of the chant. Nah, dude. It's given I like vagina Camilla. Also... Uh, you know how they said like they couldn't get anybody to perform and they finally got these people? Yeah. Didn't Ed Sheeran just come out and say, like, it's not true, nobody asked me? He said that? I think he came out and just said, nobody asked me to perform. I would have. Yeah. I well, think that I mean, that's story. also not true because over the coronation weekend, he was literally in America doing a bunch of promo. Yeah, I saw him But on if bus. they had asked him, maybe he'd be there. Oh, he would have paused Ed the promo. Ed Sheeran yeah. says he wasn't asked to perform at the King's Charles coronation. Gee. Yeah. You know what? We were invited to go to England the week after. So what does that say? I, it says that we're up there. We're highbrow. When I think royals, I think us. Honestly, guys, I've gotten both my top hat out and my finest red blazer. And your bottom hat. Ready to go. For, <laughs> yeah. For I got one of those things the guards wear. Oh, do you like those big puffy? Yeah, the big puffy black hats. Yeah. I'm going to wear that off the plane. Sick. That's probably okay, right? Yes. Yeah. You know what I have seen many videos of? If you like touch the guards, they'll yell at you. Well, yeah. well, if, if you touch anybody in public, they'll probably yell at you. Well, not like this. This is very threatening. They're like, rah, 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 rah. Like, and then they gonna, like use their sticks. If you're going to do it, just make sure Carlos is recording. Oh, yeah. We're going to vlog this shit, right? We're going to yeah. do something. We're going we're gonna to capture some hashtag content. It'll be great. We could sell it to CNN. Yeah, well, yes. You'll be in jail by the end of the week. <laughs> dude, that'd be pretty sick. Paul, Paul Brittany Griner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, I, real talk. been thinking about like, how do I get cannabis? Is it legal there? Nah. You don't? Yeah. Well- yeah, that's long story short. Is no, you know what, Zach? You don't. Zach, here. Let me let me put let me, let me let's set a challenge for you. What? Smug, there we go. You should try to smuggle weed over there. Uh, Dan, yeah. I thought you were gonna be like, oh, don't smoke weed while you're over there. Oh no, no. no, no. The challenge is who's the best drug mule. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, which one of us can get it <laughs> past security the best? Yeah. <laughs> Carlos funny. says, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I probably got the butt for it. So like, I'm not I'm not ashamed. Or you know what you could do. What? Just not smoke for a week. I mean, okay. I'm going to go to Amsterdam, so. How? I thought you were going to Korea. I'm going to, so my plan. That's anywhere. in Amsterdam, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to hear my travel itinerary? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to London, right? Yeah. We're doing the show Monday uh, to Friday. Uh, and then Friday after the show, I'm going to Amsterdam. And then Sunday morning, I leave for South Korea from Amsterdam. And then I'm there for three or four days. And then I go to Japan. I'm there for three or four I, days, and then I fly back home. Can I pipe in here? Sure. Why are you going to Amsterdam for like 12 hours? This, well, I'm, well, I need weed. Oh, that ridiculous. Yeah. That's insane. Are you going to a sex party? You should lose your... Oh, should I lose you my virginity should, in yeah. Amsterdam? On yeah. stage. If you, on stage. If you lose your virginity in Amsterdam, you still have it here in America. Yeah. Because it doesn't... That's the exchange rate, isn't it? <laughs> wow. The sexual exchange rate is off. Dude, I actually don't mind that. Like that's actually a good idea. Are you set, are you texting somebody yeah, you right, texting now, right now? Oh, I'm, I'm talking to my guy in Amsterdam. Yeah, you have a guy. Oh, he always got guys. What's that, his name? 
Gustav. Uh, <laughs> Gustav in Amsterdam. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You know, Cameron's got, he, he just changed his flights. He's going to Ireland. Ireland yeah. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, that's, right now, in fact. That's. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Top of the morning to you. Yeah, well, was that an Irish accent? Nope. That was very offensive that to was, all of our Irish brothers and sisters. And gender fluid siblings, yeah. Uh, yes. Well, look at this. We were all supposed to go to London, pop back. Now everyone's going places. And Sam, she's going around the world after the she week is. after that. That's, that's sick. That's right. Carlos, where are you going after London? I'm coming back home. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming back home. That's okay. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Disneyland. Oh, he's going to Disneyland. Where Disneyland, are you going after London? Like, I'm Paris? going to Disneyland. That's, wait, that's fucking amazing. Maybe I'll go there. Are you going to Disneyland? Yeah. Like you only have a week Tokyo? off. Oh, yeah, Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Honestly? Yeah, you should go there. What's Yes, actually. Kelsey. <laughs> What's the VIP tour guide situation at Tokyo Disney? Where should I go? Let's 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 change the topic. Let's okay. change it to where should Dan go after London? Where in the world is, is Dan's Ola? I've already extended my flight to London by one day. I got mm -hmm. plans Saturday night in London. Okay. What are you doing? Hanging out. Tea with the king. Oh damn, sick. <laughs> um, like you're going to Ireland. I've already been there, done that a couple times. You're going to Amsterdam. Where else can we go? You know, Egypt's only a three-hour flight, but or a four-hour flight, but there's like some new, what's the word? Museum? Museum, yeah. There's a museum. The brand new one doesn't open until the end of the year, so I'm going to wait till that's open to go. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, so this is boring, Dan. Let us know what you're going to do. This isn't, this isn't, all right. I'll just go to North Korea. North Korea it is. Uh, you know, uh, Kiwi Jacob plans on running a marathon there next April. In North Korea? Yeah. I, I, would, I asked my mom if she would allow that. She said no. I mean, I guess I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you but, don't need your mom for that. I don't know. I just feel like it would be should. cool to run the North Korean marathon. I just think you'd mess yeah. up and end up being put in prison and we never see you again. Am I missing something? What? There's a marathon in North Korea that you can like and, apply to run. And you ha it leaves from Beijing only. And the tour guide, like, you have to stick with the tour guide. It's very intense, incredibly strict. Like you're in a hotel at a certain time. The itinerary Why must be kept. That? Uh, it's a good interest. way to see North Korea. Like, yes, it's actually one of the only ways to see North Korea. Yeah, you can run well, 26 God. miles through North Korea. Sign me up. I've always <laughs> wanted to go. What a I don't get it. What a story that would be. Uh, yeah, if you make it back. Why do people hike Everest? I mean, that's like a physical thrill. There's so not, I guess there's a physical thrill involved I think, I think with we're getting in and out of North Korea we're underestimating the... Involvement of the North Korean government. Oh, yeah. They're involved in everything. Who are not on top of mountains waiting for you. <laughs> I... I just feel like if I don't think I'm ever going to do it. I just think if I, you know, got there, ran the course, went home, didn't take any pictures, like I think I'd be fine. The frightening thing is like I think Kiwi Jacob will do it in April and the yeah. chances of him like stepping out of line pretty high. Oh, highly likely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Time to wear a GoPro. Yeah, yeah. So the the chances of like getting a phone call from like the US <laughs> consulate or something? Hi. Hi. Just ignore the call. <laughs> Wait, who? Wait, yeah, know, wait, wait. Who is stuck in North Korea? What are you talking about? Dan, you should go to Paris. Fall in love with somebody. Oh, that's, should I'm going to do that. I'm going to camp my ass out right in front of the Eiffel Tower. Zach, no. you, you're acting like you got a year off. You have like oh, seven days. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, you know, we leave the 13th. I don't know. You know, I'll see don't you. Don't tell anybody our specific plans. Yeah, I'll see you in July. I'm a celebrity. I can't have people harassing me. Yeah, you're right. Tyler Scott, when yeah. he flies in, everybody's looking. I don't know what the paparazzi waiting at the gate. No, they're looking for his alias. You know what I'm saying? All those Zoe 101 fans overseas. Yeah. <laughs> we did very well internationally. Yeah.
<laughs> I think we were on Sky One. Uh, <laughs> King Charles, get ready. I'm coming for you, Big Daddy. I'm coming for you in those little hands. Watch out. Ah! Love that crown of his. Mm. Watch the video of the queen talking about the crown. Heavy lies the crown. That's... Oh. What does that mean? So true. I don't know. I heard it once in a book. <laughs> <laughs> is it like heavy? I said what I said. Is it heavy? No. The crown is physically heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can go in that Buckingham Palace, right? No. Yeah. Can you? Yeah, you can. Are you sure? You can literally have... Well, but, when the queen was alive, you could do... Not tea with her, but they called it tea with the queen at what? Buckingham Palace. See? Mm. Yeah, let's just go. To, that's where we should do the show from. Oh yeah, right in front of the queen, the queen's front yard. No, inside. Oh, by the way, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Yeah, mm -hmm. and also heavy lies the crown. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? I read it once. <laughs> oh, Dan, you excited? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Michael Bolton gonna be in studio in a few. <laughs> Hell yeah! Our shows from London start on Monday. Ow! ow! Uh, a lot of stuff coming up this week too, right? A lot of good guests. Yeah, we got a we got another legend tomorrow, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins. Hell yeah, man! Hell yeah, that rules. Yeah, Smashing Pumpkins, baby, gonna be in the studio hanging out with us. He seems like a good guy. I'm a little nervous because you don't know who you're gonna get or what you're gonna get with him. Yeah, it could be whatever. I've heard really nice things. Oh, I've heard that he's nice, but also could be crazy. Well, that's a good sign. I think I love it. Yeah, you're right. I'm nice and also crazy. Feels good. Uh, but starting next Monday, a week from today, we're going to be live from London. And uh, if we end up getting to know the royals, so be it, you know? If you see me hanging out with Princess Anne, wearing her matching sunglasses. That was Princess Who's Anne. That? Uh, she's you know definitely a, a lesbian. And uh, she's a beautiful member of the royal family. Who's Prince Anne? She's a lesbian. That's yeah, she's, she but she's iconic. That's she's the iconic. description. She's iconic for being, I mean, I don't think she's actually queer. Like, she, like rumor has it, she actually, like, like whatever. This lady? Is with a guy or something? I don't know. <laughs> but to the queer community, she's an icon. Okay. She really is. I, I didn't she say wears she wasn't. She wears these sporting sunglasses that give, like, Lives in Tampa and takes a boat places and just, strangled a gator once. I just don't think that's her entire identity is what my point. Oh, of course not. It's being a princess. Right. No kidding. That's <laughs> hey, it's the Zach Sang Show. Yo, beautiful human. We are getting ready for Michael Bolton to get in the studio. Very exciting. Dating camera out there looking for him. Sweet. But I think we should do a little scroll around the room. And by scroll around the room, I'm just going to read you my feed and everything that's making it. Uh, we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, Cameron, you're, you're back. This news pertains to you, sir. What happened? Guardians of the Galaxy 3. You were talking about all the animals that were killed in it. Yeah. And you cried very heavily. I did. PETA, you, you know that organization that, yeah. that fights for the rights of animals? Mm -hmm. They are calling Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 the best animal rights film of the year. They say that the film has helped, quote, audiences see animals as individuals and suggesting that just because we can experiment on them doesn't mean that we should. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with that. I think my thing is I couldn't determine whether or not I enjoyed the movie based on the story or, because or just you because it, it caused me to react. Yeah, you were emotionally gutted. You know what I mean? Totally understand it. But I, I do enjoy that message, right? Just because we can experiment on an animal, it doesn't mean we should. And there's a bunch of other ways to get the information that we so desire. Yeah, experiment on humans. Yeah, Dan. 
Good idea. Uh, also making my feed right now, Internet Star, and one of the cutest people I've ever seen, Hezbollah, has reportedly been arrested in Dagestan for a traffic violation. Oh, no. He was arrested with some of his friends. Uh, this news very much developing. Um, I had no idea what causes Hezbollah to be so small, but it's a lack of uh, a growth hormone. He can't produce it. Mm. So that's why he's much smaller than the average human. The internet loves him. Uh, they do. Loves him. Well, they think he's a, a child, but the reality is he's a 21-year-old guy. Mm -hmm. um, this is pretty interesting. The, the, the report reads, quote, police in Dagestan arrested Hezbollah and some of his friends for violating traffic laws. According to Dagestan's internal affairs, he and others drove out into the street and were interfering with other drivers. Can't do that. The entourage was taken into custody and charged with administrative violations. According, uh, oh, they were celebrating a friend's wedding. So that's what they were doing. Another yeah. social media star was just arrested. Island Boys? One of the Island yep. Boys. <laughs> oh, why was that. he arrested, Dan? Uh, domestic battery after poolside spat with GF. Oh, his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Who's sad and desperate enough to be dating one of the island boys? Yeah, I agree. That that Damn. would depress the hell out of me. Like, what? Like, they can find love and I can't? There's no way. How much money do you think they made off that song? Not enough. $4? No, nah, they probably made something, but- $5? Look, look at them. The way they spend, it's gone. And whatever's left is probably going to go to get them out of prison. Yeah. That's crazy. Island uh, boys. Making my feed, Forbes reports that Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour could- become the highest grossing tour in history. Right. The most optimistic estimate right now. What do you think it will gross? Worldwide? Yes. Uh, Let's go around the room. Price is right style. Cameron. $10 billion? Uh, you're locked in at 10. Daniel, how much do you think the Renaissance World high? Tour I'll could <laughs> gross? I don't know. I was going to say $1 billion. I don't know. Carlos Camera? Wow. One? Okay. One. okay, so these mo the most optimistic estimate is that it could gross nearly $2.2 billion. It's pretty weak. Yeah. It's nowhere near 10, but like, which is a, what I heard was happening. It's such a big production. I assume that would cost a lot. Like Ed Sheeran's yeah. doing the same yeah. venues, just himself and a guitar. Because like basically af after you figure in, so what did you say, 2.2? Yeah. Subtract what it costs to put that tour on. Yeah, she got oh, a, What, like did a, she make it like a grand? Yeah, probably only $1,000. Those margins are... Thin. I do wonder, like, with somebody <laughs> like Beyonce, she's uh, what's her net worth? It's got to be eight hundred million dollars or something. Billion, yeah, she's billion. a millionaire. Isn't Jay Z a billionaire? Yeah, I think they're both. Let's say tomorrow you woke up mm -hmm. and you had eight hundred million dollars in your bank account. Yeah, would you ever want to go on tour again? Nope. Would you ever want to do anything again? <laughs> nope. You're doing do it for other reasons. You're doing it because you need to make art. You're doing it because you you crave the drug of an audience. That's probably what yeah. I did, yeah. She's not doing it for money. Beyonce ain't doing anything for money. She doesn't not, need to do anything for I'm money. I'm also not trying to be inflammatory, but do we feel that Beyonce has like peaked? No, no Cameron. She's going down or like uh, in no, terms of I, popularity or, or music-wise? Well, uh, both. I, I think, honestly, she has maintained incredibly well. And I think there's only so much higher you can go. So it's not about going, it's not it's about just, going exponentially higher. It's about maintaining icon. I got it. Taylor Swift is about to have to do the same thing, right? Like, how much more popular can you get than right? Than That's kind of my Swift? point. Is like you at a certain point, you can't do any more than you've done. Ah. you know what I mean. I mean, you could say the same about the weekend, and that's why he's dropping the name the weekend. He is. Yeah, he's gonna start making music after the next album. He's just gonna go by like Abel, I think. That's kind of cool. He's that is the biggest news. He is killing off the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Killing so, off the weekend. So big that like all the local news stations in town were reporting on it. Like, there's nothing else going on. That's either going to be, like, the best decision he ever makes for his career or the worst. 
Yeah. I mean, like, it could yeah. take him to, like, somehow, even, like, I, he, I don't know how he gets any bigger, but he could go even bigger or everybody's like, who's able? By the way, the weekend was talking about this in an interview with W Magazine. He said, quote, I'm getting ready to close the weekend chapter. I'll still make music, maybe as able, maybe as the weekend, but still want to kill the weekend. This is something that, that I have to sense. do. What do you mean? I mean, it's if he's an, killing it's an the weekend, ego. why would he do music as the weekend anymore? What you say? Well, then he continues to say, as the weekend, I've said everything I can say. Well, I'm just confused because he quoted saying, like, I'm yeah. getting rid of the weekend, but I might make, me make music as the weekend. Very weird. Wait. But then he says, I still want to kill the weekend. I, if you're good. Make up your mind. <laughs> what What does Abel have to say that the weekend can't? Because isn't aren't they the same person? That's I a really good a question, good. and I wish somebody would have asked that follow-up. Oh. Right, yeah, like, what's we'll the difference Abel between Abel and the weekend? What are, What are your biggest similarities? Let's get Abel in here. You guys can talk to him. I don't want the weekend in here, though. No, leave that guy at the door. Well, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get out. Maybe, maybe Abel will start actually doing in-person interviews because the weekend That's only true. does like a couple written ones. He doesn't That's do true. talking interviews. He'll never do it. Maybe Abel will. I hope so. Did uh, either of you watch the MTV Movie and TV Awards last night? Nah, didn't even know it was happening last night. Yeah. I had no idea. See, okay, so basically Drew Barrymore was supposed to host it. She dropped out because of the writer's strike, which I think makes sense. Oh, she did? They still had the show, and it looked like a show that happened during COVID. Or just Can we just dial no. it back to four award ceremonies a year and that's it? I think MTV needs to literally retool everything that they got going on. Because they actually, JK, they have nothing going on. So they need to start creating something. Well, what's her name just, what's her name just left? Chanel West Coast. Oh, it's yeah. never going to be the same. <laughs> yeah, where else are they going to find somebody to laugh? <laughs> Laughs are hard to come by. Anyway. No, seriously, MTV needs to go back to the drawing board and start figuring something out. Majorly. Majorly. Yeah, they really need to put something into gear. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a joke, man. What what happened last night? Like nothing. Was nothing it? of note, and that's the big takeaway: what? is that it was just it seemed like a weird COVID era hybrid type of show because they had to navigate not having writers. Well, yeah, and a lot of people and, who were going to go didn't go. Right, because they don't want to cross picket lines, were et cetera. People, were there like were there celebrities there collecting awards to some extent? But they should have just canceled it. And where yeah. did this take place? It was yeah. somewhere in Hollywood. I think last night. Oh yeah. Nobody cares. One of the most iconic moments coming out of the coronation was Katy Perry not being able to find her seat at the coronation. It's pretty funny. Have you seen the video? Yeah, it's good. She, she looks like, very confused. Yeah. She looks like me at a cafeteria and then realizing, Oh, there's no place for me here. I'm going to go eat my lunch in the TV studio. She's also wearing that hat thing. Oh yeah. I think it was blocking her view. Of course. You know, because fashion, yeah, fashion is priority. It, you know, she probably got it at the Met Gala, but rumor has it like the size of hat. Like, doesn't that matter? Isn't that like a status symbol? But then you got Dr. Jill Biden, our beautiful first lady, wearing just a, a bow. What's the deal? Like, what, doesn't like doesn't hat matter? I thought so. Huh? What do I know? All this stuff happened this weekend. Yeah, or yeah, brother. Uh, also, that flame and hot the the flavor you know the story you don't the, the story about the guy who created the flame and hot Cheeto. Yeah, it comes out soon, June 9th. It's going to be on Hulu and Disney Plus. But do you remember that there was rumors about the story not being real? Yeah. Oh yeah, it wasn't like there was like a, it was like a not security guard of, what are they called? Custodian bouncer. Custodian. Yeah, it was a, yeah, bouncer. Like, custodian was the guy who invented it. Yeah, that's the a idea. story. Is that so? That's not real. No, I think it is real, mm. but there was speculation that it could not be real. But they move forward with the movie, so my assumption is it's real. Like if there's a movie on it, and they're gonna say like based on a true story or based somewhat on a true story. I'll tell you what though. Could F up a Cheeto. I love Cheetos. Oh, dude. I eat Cheetos exclusively till I'm oh, screeching in pain. Flaming oh, hot Cheetos. Cheetos suck. 
Uh, that's not true. Regular, regular Cheetos are so much better than I, I do Cheetos. prefer regular over Flaming. I, I don't. Like both. I have not eaten a regular Cheeto in years. I exclusively eat Flaming Hot and extra Flaming Hot, and I love the Elote. Mm, the Elote one's good. Cheetos are so good. Crunchy or puffy? Crunchy. crunchy. Definitely crunchy. Who crunchy eats or- a puffy Cheeto? Yeah. Somebody who dates their mouth. Losers. Somebody who likes having things baked around their teeth. Ugh. Yeah, that's, that's gross. Ugh. Why are you going to eat like a, a, a starchy sponge? Ugh. No, I agree, though. Uh, is that a final look at the newsfeed for now? Is that all that's trending? I mean, uh, outside of the fact that, like, Taylor Swift and Matt Healy are in a relationship, and Jack Antoff has confirmed it. We already talked about that tonight. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, Jack Harlow deb- debuting at number eight with his album, selling only 35,000 units. Well, I mean, okay. That's not a metric for success anymore, though, is it? That's not a metric for success know. also. He did one of those like surprise albums. Is he at that point yeah. in his career where he can just be like, "Hey, surprise!" Like he's not Taylor Swift or Beyonce. No. It's like dropping a night. Everybody like crushes. Right. It's like okay, Jack Harlow's another album. Okay, mm, you're right. Look at you, Dan. But you know, maybe there'll be some late bloomers on there. Never say never. You know what I'm really excited for? Mm. Michael Bolton. Hell yeah! Rumor has it he is in the building. We're gonna get him in the studio in a few. Instead of swiping on Tinder, go swipe through our TikToks at Zach Sang Show. Hi, beautiful human. I am Zach. That is Dan. And I cannot believe I'm saying this, but we welcome to the studio, Michael Bolin. Yes. Thank you. Good to be here. I mean, the first question is like, why? You don't need to do absolutely anything (laughs) at all, yet you continue to not just work, but like really work you have a brand new album out spark of light we're gonna get into it and mm-hmm. you're working with a lot of really unique collaborators uh, on this body of work i think different than anything else you've done mm-hmm. um but let, let's just start with why. why 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 do you still need to make music today well that's kind of has the, has the answer in the question it's the need mm. if you want to do it it might not be wise to but if something internally is just driving you on and it has for me been for like oh, 40 years or so. Um, when when I don't hear that voice anymore, or I don't have any ideas that are exciting me, then maybe I'll stop. Has it been the exact same voice for the last 40 years? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I think I've considered things as music has changed. I've considered changing, except I've been able to, through the years, kind of visit all of the aspects of music that I've loved as a kid. All I wanted to do was make music. When I was 10, 11 years old, all I could think about doing was making music. Can and you describe what that voice sounds like inside of you or what it tells you to do, or at least early on what it was telling you to do? Please don't get a job. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't get a job. Um, <laughs> By the way, that's It was telling me everything but, you know, but don't quit music, whatever you do. It took me 18 years before I had my first hit. I, what do you count as your hit? Because people can look back at your 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 catalog, your discography, your history, and there's a few different moments where you have massive songs. I mean, Go the Distance goes number one at top 40, but like, what do you consider your biggest hit? Biggest hit? Like, what are we measuring by? I mean... The amount of sales, the amount of... <laughs> Know, Today uh, you'd, you'd you'd judge it based on a whole different criteria. Back yeah. then, you'd be judging it based on a combination of things: amount of sales, amount of sinks, right? Like a cultural impact. But eighteen cultural impact like that. Yeah, I think that's actually the most well-rounded measurement of a song because it's 
you know, a lot of songs end up becoming bigger than the individual artists too, you know? Um, yeah, and I think that that's still happening. You know, different songs have a different life they bring with them. If you give them the right attention, which is like telling people where to spend, you know, when they have all kinds of Amazon dollars to invest. Um, anything can happen. Creative people just are fortunate enough to be attuned to what's going on musically and creatively, what's going to be attractive to other people. But amazing things happen. You know, that I'm, I, I just wanted to make a living singing, basically. I didn't realize I could write songs that would wind up as you know, part of a movie or a television show or themes that create another world of interest in my career. I think it comes down to as you definitely are a big fan of, of music and artistry from what I can tell. Huh. Um, there's so many possibilities just by following what your gut is telling you or trying to tell you. So if you don't hear anything from there, like sometimes the voice sounds like this. And that means you don't know what to do yet. So like take a little break or something. Maybe you turned too much. But generally, you'll always come back to the same thing that got you here. You know, your, your instinct and your love for music. When you are making music or going to a studio, do you think about what people want and where culture is going? Or do you solely focus on what you want to tell and what story you want to portray? You know, to be honest, it can be a combination of the two. You know, you don't want to be the only one on the top of a hill yelling, this is where it is, this is the next big thing. It's really interesting to me that some of the most creative people I've ever met in my life, who I've been a fan of for many years, I won't mention any names, but when I asked this artist what, what they were working on, he said, we're just trying to stay relevant. And I was like, stay relevant. You are like, you are relevance, you know. But I think people just don't feel that after a certain amount of years, when you see the industry moving and artists moving in a certain direction, you know, you kind of feel like, what's going on here? How much should I know about this? Or should I just do my thing? When it shows up, it'll pull an audience in or it won't. I think I've lived by both. Trusting that if I like it, and I'm a tough critic of my own, um, other people are going to like it. How much? We'll find out. We'll find out, what, you know, who's doing their job. It that's interesting because you you just kind of highlighted a truth, which is you can have the best song in the world and it could still manage to fall on no ears, right? Yeah, it's hard to know that for sure, but, but pretty much a lot of great music has, you know, not finished strongly and not been able to have a core following. But usually if you have a great artist who doesn't come out until the album, until the record is great, Mm. there's a higher level of success, a higher level of possibility of success over there. How do you know when an album of yours is ready huh. to be released? That's really hard to know. It's like, when do you cut the cord? Huh. Basically, it's like a question we always ask. It's hard to let go of something you've been working on for two or three years. Um, and you can still be really excited about the body of music you've created, but there's a part of you that just knows it could be just that much better if you just go in the studio for the next 48 hours and don't come out until you're worthy and that happens but how do you know when it's worthy 
And is it different every time? <laughs> you have to trust yourself. And you do have people, I don't know if you have people like me who are great at what they do and you'll just say, can you just listen to this, tell me what you think of this? Just bounce it off of them just to get an opinion. I learned that um, you can be working on a song that sounds like a, me a mega record. You can't wait for it to come out and it comes out and doesn't go to one or to ten. But there are fans for it. And then you can work on something and believe that it's like okay and it finds a bigger kind of mass following has there been like a moment that stands out where that was just perfectly on point probably the first 15 years of my career <laughs> you know is this i don't know, get other people's opinion i would sit in writer's room half the size of this room with maybe a piano in it and i would meet a writer for the first time and some people believed in us together, working together. And next thing we knew, we were writing a, a giant song. I usually know by the middle of the first chorus. And I'm going to tell you something just, just because it is funny. Lady Gaga sent me her first record just to give a, a listen to what she was working on. The company sent me like what they thought would be a good idea for me to convince me to write with her. Her album was done already. And she had been a fan, and I loved talking to her. So we set up a day to write, and we got together and wrote. And I didn't tell her, but when I, when I heard Just Dance, 20 seconds in or so, I just thought this is a huge record. And I knew that the label was completely committed. And I knew she had the will and the clarity of what it takes for an artist to become a real artist. So all of that had come together at the same time. And we had a great time writing, and the song wound up on my album. <laughs> um, but I watched her put everything together and do the real work that artists actually, a lot of them don't get. You just like hit the nail on something, which is artists today don't do the legwork that somebody like Lady Gaga hmm. Did, I mean, she was playing at the bitter end in New York City to nobody, you know, for, for a long time. called the bitter time. end for nothing. Yeah, literally. And, and beers thrown at her and the, the striped glasses to literally nobody, you know? Like, it was, there was such a process and a period of time that she had to fully invest into crafting this thing from nothing that now you look at artists that come up and it happens... I, I hate to say like instantly, but it is in some cases, courtesy of TikTok, mm -hmm. more instant today than it's ever been before. I think you seem to be impressed by the ones who work. So yeah, and that it had to. I had to work for it to happen. So I'm not crazy when I bump into somebody who's just blowing up if they don't want to do the work. You, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having your career just blow up completely and in the best way possible, and you can learn a lot during that experience as well. But the work ethic is so big to me and it, it's really a big factor in how much I respect an artist or not. It also determines whether somebody's going to be fleeting or timeless. Yeah, if you watch how they work and what, what they do with the success they have. Gaga, I couldn't be more impressed by an artist. Do you feel like the art of a ballad today is different than it was when you were 
just crafting them and releasing them for the first time? It's it's different. Um, everything is different from the time everything took off for me because that was in the late 80s. But those songs are still relevant today and they have the same amount of emotional impact today than I'm sure they had when they were first released. Well, I think I would trust your opinion on that level of success that's, that happened in I'm, it's really tough to say without hearing the artist's version, the specific version you're listening to. Um, it still seems like a time when an artist can walk up unknown onto a stage and do a, like, not a huge television show, but a decent following, a decent audience, and have the singer have a moment with a great song. And you can watch a person's career get launched because they have the real thing. Um, but there's, I mean, I could speak endlessly about um, working for it and what, what that entails and seeing an artist who really deserves it because they're, they have talent, they're great, but they put it to work. Do you think it takes a different type of artist to bring to life a cover than like an original? All kinds of different artists have success and different artists have their way to, to become the artists that they are. Hopefully is great. Um, there's so much, there's so many different possibilities of which way it can go, like an event can go to launch you or not. But I'm seeing like, country artists crossing over. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing uh, like amazing singers just get up and say, I'm going to do a version of this song and have people around them go, hmm, are you sure? And the artist will say, yeah, I'm sure. And somebody really, somebody who's maybe afraid of failure will say, okay, I didn't get a lot of enthusiasm on that one. But I've cut songs that people said, why are you doing that? You can write a hit bigger than that. And, uh, and I would say, this is like one of the most powerful songs of my childhood. You know, I was inspired by the artist who made this record and I'm happy to talk about it, you know, and sing their praises basically. And then I'd put out the record, or my company would put out the record. And... Um, I would be told that um, Ray Charles is um, doing his anniversary performance and it's a TV show and he wants you to sing Georgia on, on my mind on the, song, on the show. And I go, what? I first tell him yes. <laughs> then we wound up singing, I wound up singing for him three times, twice with him and once directly to him on stage where he was being honored. And if I hadn't recorded the song because somebody said, don't do that, it's a cover, or, you know, didn't understand why I did it. You, you do, if you, as an artist, you, you search for the music that feeds you and is going to feed the audience that's going to be watching you because you're loving what you're doing. And um, I've seen this happen and play out really well really well for the artists in their careers. Um, it always comes back down to that, like, whatever your gut tells you, like, be prepared to fight for it. 
a lot of people are afraid to, or they're at places in their career where they don't have the confidence to. So the, that's the, the fear factor. Uh. I did a song, I, I recorded a song, When a Man Loves a Woman. This <laughs> so I was, a, I was a kid, and Percy Sledge had made it, made the definitive version like 25 years or earlier or so. Who, I don't even know who that is. I only <laughs> know your version. When I found out that this song was a cover, I almost flipped a table. Yes, you did. I had no idea. So funny. No, but that has to happen all the time. It has happened multiple times. And it's always such a great honor and so cool performing with the, the artist who originally did the, the version that woke you up to it, you know. Um, and then you get to, 20 years later, be on a stage somewhere. It could be in Cleveland, it could be in New York. And you're on stage with the artist who delivered the version the world fell in love with. And I'm not, I'm not at this point where I'm like scratching my head and saying, should I do this? Or I don't, it's, it's more like, I love this. How do we do this? There has to be a different, there has to be an, a less egotistical or maybe even an egoless approach to being able to take on somebody else's story and make it your own. Because at least today, there's so many artists who go, if I didn't write it, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. If I'm not in the room, I don't even want to be, I don't even want to see or hear the song. Mm -hmm. But to be able to take a song that you love and give it a whole new life and then for the world to fall in love with it and learn about it for the first time in most cases. I mean, again, like there's, there's, the ego is not really there. I mean, there are all times, all kinds of times when we have to make a decision about what to do with our egos and what kind of fence is strong enough to contain them to, if you just tie them to a fence when, when you need that break from your ego but when you do the right thing the right things happen to to let you know all the worrying about it you know, isn't going to change anything you did the right thing you loved a body of work you recorded it in the right key for yourself you delivered it like with everything you had for the audience and um, the right things happened the songs become classic again and um, with When a Man, um, there was somebody who worked at one of, my, one of the record companies I was signed to at the time. They had really strong negative feelings about me recording a song that was so big by Percy Sledge because there was, uh, there was still airplay from time to time on the original record. And I called my manager and I said, you know, I don't even want to talk about it. Just let's just put the song on the album, and then what happens will happen. And we put the song on the album. It changes your life. And it, it was a life-altering moment. That's crazy. When I go through security, the guys sing "When a Man Loves a Woman" to me, <laughs> and the women sing "How Am I Supposed to Live Without You." And all I know is that my gut was like, you know. Like on the meter, it was screaming to 10, do this, do this, do when a man. Um, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You was a huge ballad that 
people thought we'd only have a female audience, and it went to number one twice. <laughs> so, like, what do what do we know, and what does the ego have to do with it? So, nothing. The great thing about success on your own terms is that it's as good as it sounds. You know, you, you pick the songs, you, you decide when the song is ready, um, and don't get too drawn in by the geniuses at the record labels. There are, there are some really great you know, executives, but when they say something that's diametrically opposed to how you feel about your next step forward, I don't know, that's the artist's call for me. And that is something that a whole artist should just remember. I mean, that is, and also keep in mind, like to go to number one back then once was the most incredible feat. We're talking about moving units in the millions. Now, like we're moving units in the hundreds of thousands. Do you know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. not even in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. like just how we were judging what is at number one. Like the, the amount is so much less than it was before. The consumption is so spread. Like it's never been before. Mm -hmm. So to go to number one once is incredible. To go to number tw number one twice with the same song, holy <laughs> shit. That's insane. Go the distance from Hercules. That's like one of my favorite songs of all time. It's like one of, I mean, like that is, it's everything. Does that song come to you like finished? It is from the movie and they ask you to put your own spin on it or how did that actually go down? Well, that one, the, the writers came to us from Disney. Um who had already written like a dozen hits themselves for for Disney, um, and they wanted it. They wanted a basically a Michael Bolton record to go with this Disney soundtrack, and you know, become this forever giant Hercules experience. We didn't fight for it. My co-producer co Walter Afanasyev, Walter A. He's known as by most people. You're looking at me like. I'm not familiar with him. <laughs> do, do you still work with him? I do from time to time. Yeah. That, so I, one of the one of the things I wanted to, was wondering was how many people from the original Studio Camp crew are still around today? Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting question because I see him and we talk about different projects. There are people who call him from Europe to come in and produce three songs on an album or something. You know, they have the budget and they want first class and. I'll call Walter, and Walter will call me and see if I want to sing on it. <laughs> and what Walter did, All I Want for Christmas is You with Mariah. <laughs> he also did Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gosh, like, he rich. He did very well. <laughs> but he's like, you know, I mean, he lives and breathes music. He's a classically trained pianist. So he wanted to get, a, he wanted to like fight for a writer's, a piece of the writer's action for, for Hercules. But I felt like it was finished. When we finished the vocal on it, all it needed to be do, done was uh, mixed. So that's the song that, you know, you can't have any ego concerning producing it or being the songwriter. Well, producing it you can, but a lot of people like mainstream, the masses don't know who produce what records. So when that song comes out and is a massive hit and there to your point like you don't have a hand in writing it but it is still your voice yeah what do you, what do you what do you think they and this is another thing that i've been deeply wondering is have you ever asked yourself what is it about your voice that people are actually attracted to 
I don't think I've asked myself as much as I've pondered it when it became a reality to me that people sometimes, you know, people are just giant fans and you can do no wrong, basically. If you pick a song that's great for you, they're going to just love the song. I don't know, I just think that when you love what you're doing and you're really in, uh, at the point where you do control the performance and you make the choices that are going to be how you feel about yourself as well as how your audience is going to feel about you as an artist, they're going to determine that. Then you spend a little, a little extra time not thinking about whether you have the publishing on it or not, but thinking about the artistry of it and feeling proud about being part of the creation of it. And by the way, I can make the case that Goes a Distance, that song ends up touching so many lives through that movie. A whole generation of people are inspired by it to the point where like I have friends who sing it at fucking karaoke every time. Uh-huh. Like it is very, it's it's woven it, into people's lives. You know what I mean? It's not actually called fucking karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I could open an establishment right with the F word in there. Sorry, sorry, that was rude. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it here, so... Um, no, I, I know there are, um, friends of mine who run businesses like automotive businesses around the world who play, go the distance at their business meetings to get everybody like focused. Seriously. <laughs> it's I'm like, it's so cool. Really? You do that? Like they're almost crying telling me about how much it means to them and the people they're inspiring. And I'm like, okay, that'll work. It is really bigger than any one person, right? Like it's bigger than those publishing rights. It's bigger than it's bigger than you, right? Like when a song has that ability, it's, it's amazing afterlife that happens. Like if we we do our jobs, it'll have the good life that that we want for our kids. Basically, um, something happens when it does succeed that opens up all these other realms of possibilities with a successful record. And music that moves people, just never underestimate the good that can come from that. By the way, regardless of the amount of publishing rights or writing credit one has, correct? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about putting our egos down for a bit. Sometimes you have to put it down for like seven years <laughs> and say, I got to walk away from owning a piece of this even though I wrote the bridge or something or whatever it is you think in your head. Could have been different. But I think that if you choose the right direction and you make music for your love of the music, you're increasing the, the, the opportunities and the possibilities of success happening. I, know, I never look back with regret to like have passed on a song that I didn't write that was a ballad because I thought I had enough ballads, I had a lot of ballads as hits. And at that time I was looking for something like mid to up tempo. And I don't, I don't stop, you know, when I hear it being played somewhere, I don't say, oh, I should have, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. What song? Exactly what I was thinking. What song are you thinking about right now? I Don't Have the Heart. I Don't Have the Heart. I Don't Have the Heart. James Ingram recorded it. And it was written by a couple of guys who I never wrote with, but they've reached out to me a couple of times. And they were really wanting to get the song covered. And I liked it but I just didn't love it. It's nice to be at a, a point, to arrive at a point where you can say, no, I don't think so. Yeah. 
you're okay. And not hurt anybody's feelings by it. Why did you agree originally to do Jack Sparrow with the Lonely Island? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's the gift that keeps on giving. But did you ever expect that to happen? No. No, I I didn't expect it on the level, on the scale that it happened. I love the Lonely Island guys. And I love the work they did when they were with Saturday Night Live. Um, They came to us, my manager and myself, in Los Angeles. We had a meeting at a table, some hotel, like lobby, right off the lobby. And they walked us through the pitch. And the pitch was so much nastier <laughs> than any part of, of the video itself that made it. And I, I was like, okay, I don't know if I could do this because I, I could lose the first 12 rows of my concert audience. <laughs> halfway through your first song. And they laughed, but they said, they've, they know that, they've been told that by other managers. And Can you clean it up? Can you do something? And this basically went on. We went back and forth where they were actually emailing me. How about this? And, and I looked to see what they changed, and I was like, it was worse. <laughs> it was nastier. And I was thinking, what didn't they get about the first? Oh, they, they definitely knew which way to go on it, but it was at a different part of the video. And then I was driving into Atlanta for a concert the next night. And they told me, if you can find a studio in Atlanta, this version should work for all of us. And I I looked and I was laughing in the car. And I said, well, I can do this. (laughs) But um, I just need to be in character for if I'm going to use these lines from Scarface, which I I love Scarface. Take a look at me. Take a good look at me. So you, you, you need people like me so you can feel bad about yourself. You feel better about yourself. And so they knew that, so they wanted to give me more Scarface lines, but they, those just kept getting raunchier and raunchier. And in the studio, the, like one of the lines was, you know, I've got this big sexy hook. And I realized we were laying down and, and um, adding layers and layers of, chorus harmonies to Jack Sparrow. This was actually being realized. Nobody wanted to leave to go home. Nobody looked at the clock. We shot for two days. Wow. And then the night that it aired, uh, I was like hiding in the corner of Saturday Night Live on set, (laughs) just in case they didn't like it. I was going to be like about here. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. And, uh, and they liked it. And uh, John Mayer was at the after party, and he said, tomorrow you're going to see an audience you've never seen before. <laughs> and I said, in a good way? <laughs> he said, yeah, they're going to love this. And so I'll never forget that, because we were talking about growing up in Connecticut together, and then he walked over after seeing the video. The next day I walked downstairs, and my daughter was just scrolling through thousands and thousands of responses. And she said, you're not going to believe what's going on. I said, is it good? (laughs) She said, they love it. (laughs) And so I'm really glad, because she was a big fan too. She was one of the people who said, oh, you got to do something with them. So my oldest daughter, Issa. And and it happened. And then we got to the point where um, we would meet in Los Angeles and have a, a toast and a drink to like 200 million albums. 
200 million views. Holy. I mean, I can make the case that that also like was life altering in its own way, right? Like definitely gave a whole new resurgence and spark and another reintroduction. It's another side of you as a human being, as an artist, as a comedian, as an actor, as a fan of music. Fortunately, uh, I was a fan of Lonely Islands and we had freaking fun for two days. And then uh, after that, rest is history. Not complaining. (laughs) Spark of Light, by the way, is Michael Bolton's most recent album. We're going to put a link in the description below, but you can listen to all Michael Bolton's music on Amazon Music, obviously. I love the song, Spark of Light. I've been humming it since it came out. We need need to put a microphone on you permanently. He's got the spark. Uh, oh, he's got it. <laughs> you don't even have to try. <laughs> I love it. It's so catchy. He's also inspired by your hair color, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, that's brand new. <laughs> yeah, I said, I want to look like you when you come in. <laughs> but for real, that song is so good and so oh, catchy. So good to hear. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. You work with different collaborators on this album. Yes. A lot of, like, a lot of younger artists. I had no idea that you work with Walk the Moon. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. Nick. Yeah. Great singer. Justin Jesso. Incredible producer and a really good guy. Great singer. Monstrous range. Yeah. And uh, real hungry, focused in the studio. Really a lot of potential. How do you decide who is in your studio and who isn't? Hopefully wisely at first. (laughs) I'm not sure really how to... I mean, I I have to... My gut feel like this person's bringing something specific that I need on this record. A specific sound for one song out of, I don't know, 12, 14, 15 tracks. Um, and when I find that, we'll find out what to do with it in the studio. We'll do the right thing in the studio. And I will get, if it's a young artist, becoming artist, I'll get them to trust me and try vocals, try, try doing some things that, um, are going to work for the body of music that I'm making, but it's going to show off their abilities. And that with uh, Justin Jesso, um, we did a version of Beautiful World that we co-wrote that is bringing him all kinds of attention and I think we'll continue to. But uh, I think he's going to blow up big. I agree with that. He's really talented. When you... When you were starting, or, or when you decided to make another album, did you set any goals or set any expectations for yourself? <laughs> surviving like, the process. Yeah, yeah like, would you, would, would, surviving? That's it? No, that's just the funny, that's my <laughs> funny way of dealing with it. Because the truth is, it really does, if you put your all into it, you can really, really work hard and long on a great record. And at the same time, you don't really want anything less of yourself. You know, like nobody can force you to work harder and listen closer and maybe go back in and re-sing something or go in and edit something. Um, if you have permission to spend more time trying to perfect an animal, a, a, a musical beast of some, some kind, um, you can surprise yourself at what, what you come out of the studio with. Were you surprised? with what you ended up with as an album? Not really, because I, I expected a lot. I just didn't know it was going to be one great song after another and great people to work with. 
throughout the entire project. Is it true that this is your first ever album of all original songs? From what I understand, that's that's accurate. What took so long to do that? Well, because I've I've always found songs that there's something that I'm like that I love about them, and I'm going to find a way to make them fit the record, make the record. But that doesn't mean that I had to have to write them. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to own every part of every record I make. Um, and if I choose the right song, which I have multiple times, um, fortunately, I chose songs that um, some people thought was like the easy way to make a record. But I try to find the best way to make a record, not the easy way to make a record. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just kind of a no-brainer just putting this together. I didn't realize by the time we get done with it, there won't be one or two classics on it, you know, with new something about it, new vocals or new arrangement. Um, Having the choice is a big gift. Step back as an artist and step back from everybody and tell them, hold on a second, I think we need to do this again. Or let me go in and give you a better vocal performance. And you're going to run into people who will say, oh, happy you're willing to work that hard. And you're going to run into people who say, I don't think we should spend another minute on that song. But those aren't people I'm necessarily going to work with again. (laughs) What are you looking for in that moment? Somebody who just trusts you and lets you do your thing? As a producer? Yeah, yeah, there has to be a certain amount of musical trust. Um, You're in there again... The ego has got to be on a, a leash somewhere. You have to be spared, and you have to spare the people around you from energy that does damage to the creative process or interferes with something great becoming even greater. It's funny that that's a re- reoccurring theme. The ego in our career, in business, in entertainment, business, you know, music industry. Um, get pretty dark sometimes. Totally. I think a lot of people think you need to have a very intense ego for survival and for a reminder of how great you are and what you've accomplished and who you are and why you're deserving to be in any room that you're in. But the truth is, by being in that room to begin with means you're already deserving. And uh, I, I think there's, yeah, it is dark. It is very, very dark. But in order to really achieve greatness, it has to go away. That's what we think. <laughs> Not everybody agrees. <laughs> By the way, Spark of Light, link in the description below to listen to it. I, I mean, it is wild that it's all originals, but, but you're not, are you even thinking about it at all? Or are you just, whatever comes out and his quality makes it? The latter. Quality makes it. Huh. Um, I, I kind of went, I think when, when I was told that, by the way, this literally will be your first all original music album in forever or however long a period of time it was. I don't remember. And I thought, hmm, never thought of it. Never, it's never been part of my intention. It's, there's so much energy required to make a great record that you kind of need to have made that decision already before you got into the studio that 
you know the ballpark of your songs. How does an original start for you? Are you writing to production or to instrumental? Are you coming in with ideas? What is the process like? It's kind of a combination. Um, I'm always writing down ideas and titles. Like I would write like in bed. I would write titles down because I knew, first of all, we didn't have digital devices to record voice memos. Um, and if you didn't remember, when you wake up in the morning, you don't remember what the title was of the song. It doesn't come back to you. It's just out there in the ether somewhere. And somebody else records it like seven years later. It has like a huge record with it. Um, I like to go with titles and I like to walk into a room with people who like to write to titles because it gives you, it gives you the intention early on in the songwriting process kind of brings you closer to your goal in a way without finishing. There's a lot of work to do in the process and a lot of choices you can make in the process of creating the music. What is the meaning behind spark of light? Spark of light is like, I think it's going to be different for different people, but um, it's a, it's a extremely positive way to look at life in the universe because it's all it takes is a positive spark, spark, of, spark of light. If you can just say the title, um, it helps too. Um, there's so much negativity in this world. Like in my, and people say that a lot. And in my lifetime, I never thought I would say it's, it hasn't gotten better, it's gotten worse at this point in life, in my life. COVID was this whole other level of fear and kind of darkness that took all our attention, you know, brought all of us to uh, spend time and not in the way that we wanted to, but in fear. So, Spark of Light is, um, is just this extreme wisdom of staying positive and protecting the, the the very thought of which way you're going to take each step of your life you know if you're going to be a positive person and basically support what light brings or it's all about you if it's all about you then there's nothing else to talk about really it's a spark of light is something that is, it's hope. Um, it's, all, it's, it's all of what's missing when we're talking about how crazy it is out there. Because we used to be able to laugh about how crazy it is, how crazy it gets. And, and now something we live happened. it. Hmm? Now we live it. Yeah, now it's, now it's everywhere we go. So we kind of have to be, like, beautiful world similar in the message that we're going to make this a beautiful world is, is a decision that you make internally that your life is going to be about light about bringing hope and positive energy to people you come in contact with um, and I'm just reminding I'm just reminding myself by expressing it in front of you to you 
that uh, we really need it. We need to feel good, make other people feel good around us. How important is it to you to release a body of work that has that positive message woven throughout? That's really a big deal. That will be... That'll make life so much better. Is it... Is that one of the main motivations behind even continuing to release music? If it's going to be, yes, you have an inherent want to do it and a need to do it and that voice inside of you that makes you do it. But if you're going to do it, the message should have depth that could last maybe a generation or two. Every bit of positive energy in music has so much, so much potential to do that, to bring that. Um, should make you feel better about your life. Kind of like, there's always some way you can give back in somewhere where you're affecting someone in a positive way. And, um, but, you know, it's something that I'm kind of even thinking about being careful about sounding preachy about it. It's just my opinion that we try to fix things and make things better even shake hands with people on the other side of the aisle, do something for everybody else. Um, I could spend all day looking at things that are just fucked up. And this album aligns with thinking about things that are great, that are inspiring, that have hope. Needed. That's the side I want to be on. Spark of Light. Listen to the album. Link in the description below. Is there any part of you that has like a maybe like an like a tiny bit of want or desire for somebody, an artist, to eventually cover one of your originals and breathe new life into it and introduce it to a whole <laughs> other new audience? That's probably something that I've always wanted in a different way, and in, in, in certainly in the early years of my career. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a certain level of validation when people appreciate your music and if, if a great artist was to release a, a, a version of one of my songs, um, I would not be offended by that. <laughs> I would welcome that. It is, I mean, the, it is incredibly interesting. The idea, like, the, just the fact that a human being could breathe, breathe a whole new life and introduce a whole new audience and a whole new generation of people to a song that like, again, I had no idea that that record did not belong to you and wasn't yours originally. I had no clue. Neither did I. But I'm telling you, there's tens and tens of millions of people just <laughs> like me that had no idea, you know, and that's really powerful. And you've seen that, you know, like over the years, Four Seasons with Madcon and then again recently with that band Monoskin, like, there is this art of the art of the cover is so powerful, um, but the art of original art too has equal power, if not even greater, because you never know where that can go. And that message is one hundred percent curated and illustrated by you. And they can they can go independently, you know. Totally. Well, we, may, maybe not covering, but why do you think so many rappers like to name drop you in their songs? It happens all the time. I don't know. I I, I got, did get a kick out of um, 
Kanye and Jay-Z did um, college dropout. Yes, Kanye sampled one of you and like never let you never let never let you down. Yeah, he sampled you. They did a great job with that. That's actually a really nice body of music mm -hmm. around that song. And I remember when I was told that they were reaching out to my attorneys for a license that I was kind of excited about it. I was thinking I put the Kanye album up next to the Barbara Streisand album on the wall and see if that doesn't get some funny looks. <laughs> <laughs> Curious looks. Um, but they did a great job and I love that music, the musicality of it. Um, but I was more concerned about what the language was going to be and whether it was going to be permission to express anything negative or permission to just do something that's great musically and we're all happy and on our way. And um, it turned out to be a um, really positive statement. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the other one was from The Dream. Um, the producer of The Dream? No, the, um, the song uh, that, that they sampled oh. was um, Stay. And that was from my blackjack, my blackjack days. Well. Yeah, that was a that was a band you were in, uh, yeah, right? That's sing. like early, early Michael Bolton, like very early. That's early's relative. <laughs> when did you realize that a band was not the right move, and you uh, on your own was it? The second album with the band with Blackjack, I decided if I'm going to do rock, I think I need to be in control of it, mm -hmm. and. Maybe if if I had made a record like Mutt Lang might have made, I might still be making rock records. But um, it was towards the end of the contract um, with Blackjack, and I realized that the the arm wrestling that's involved in getting something done in a band, yeah, the politics crazy. Are, and personalities. Watching people go through that, you know, it's like, it's like watching people in a bad relationship, reliving it at dinner. It's just sad to see because they're there for this, all this love and positive energy and creating with people you, you love. And uh, you see what happens with bands down the road. You can't get them into the you know, same dressing room. So, Creatively stifling? <laughs> uh, creatively stifling, yes. Um, which means life stifling. Mm. That's a new term, I think. Life stifling. Uh. Stay away from it. <laughs> Avoid it at all costs. But really, uh, listen to all Michael Bolton's music, the entire discography, available on Amazon Music. What are you thinking? Would you ever go back and record another, another uh, volume three of the classics, like the hits, co all cover albums? I haven't, uh, I shouldn't say, it, I shouldn't say it never entered my mind, but I haven't thought that seriously about it. Okay. What's, what's to be gained by it? Like what's, what's the spark of light in it for me? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's no reason to. Yeah, maybe not. Don't know. It, it would be cool to kind of see you cover some of like today's biggest hits. Hmm. I was thinking that. Like some Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande. <laughs> They can both sing. The weekend, yeah. Weekend, great, great artist. I think they. 
well, there are a lot of great artists. Mm-hmm. I guess I need the vision of it, you know. Yeah. So right now I've got this other project going on, <laughs> which is fantastic. He's humming. You I love that you. you have sparkle light in your. It's just binocular. so. It's just so fun to drive to, put it on the car, put the windows down. It makes you feel good. There's the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> listen to Spark of Light. Seriously, there's a link in the description below. You can listen to it all on Amazon Music and every song that Michael Bolton's put out. We're going to put a link there. Amazon Music. We've covered a lot here today. Yeah, you've been very patient. Thanks. No, you've been patient. Well, I've been patient. You've been patient with me. Thank you for being here. And like, even this is charity for, you know, you, know, you, you don't need to be here. So I thank you very much pleasure. for giving us your time. Pleasure to be here. Really. You're, uh, you're an icon. And, uh, a legend and it's timeless to say the least i mean do you ever think back on everything you've done and your impact on music or are you solely focused on what's ahead a bit of both i like to look back not too far back but to appreciate how long the ride has gone i've talked about i laugh about it taking 18 years before the first hit happened but it wasn't funny during the during that time, it was not funny because I had a family to feed. Huh. And probably questioning whether or not this is the right thing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a plan B. So I had to keep going. And then when I think I was thinking even remotely about changing focus, because I can't even say the words quitting music, um, somebody I would bump into an executive or like Clive Davis or somebody would say, oh, I just heard this uh, song with your voice on it. Uh, you should come up and play me some of the music you're working on or keep going, just good luck with everything. And You have my number. Like, giving me like a hope, a cup of hope that would last me for another four months or six months or something without a record contract. Those moments mattered. Yeah. That. somebody made the right decision by keeping it going <laughs> forward that's can i ask like a, a like a maybe a cliche question and maybe it's like but and i think about this now in my life and this i'm is, this about is your to, domain this is your home thank you i appreciate that i'm a guest i think of this question now and i'm 30 as of next week and I do think about how i want to be remembered or how like the impact i want to leave on culture at large or how in 50, 60 years, when we look at the media landscape, like what did we do here over the last, you know, I've been doing the show for 16 years, so more than half my life already. What have we done? How have we changed this place? How have we helped it? Do you wonder or think about how you want to be remembered at least within music and culture at large? I think about it sometimes, but I primarily think about it if I'm doing fundraising for protecting women, domestic violence, children. Um, who are victims. That's been my primary focus outside of music and the way to bring fundraising events to concerts and f private shows, etc. I would, I would love to have, uh, to be looked at as someone who contributed to the cultural experience of music in some way. Um, but I would love to continue having success with music and still have the primary focus outside of music be 
to prevent violence against women and children. That, that, that matters. That work matters. Music matters too, but that, in, in this case, it works together for each other, right? Yeah, Music allows you to bring awareness and funds and resources to something that plagues millions of families and women all over the world. And everybody firsthand has an instance or a story or a friend or a mom or, yeah, that's, that is vital and matters. So that's the long term of it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Thank you for being here and taking the time today. I really appreciate you. Thanks for being so generous. No, you're absolutely incredible. And please listen to all Michael Bolton's music on Amazon Music. Link down in the description. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, seriously. Michael Bolton, everybody. Listen to, listen to Zach live Monday through Friday on AMP 105.5.